0: The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network.
1: Yo, this is Rich Ladder here. We are across the street from MSG. And why, baby? New York City, Madison Square Garden. Hey, y'all, boy, come on. Yeah, man. Jeremy Donovan here from Keeping It Strong Style and Social Suplex. We're here with one half of the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. Hey,
0: one half of Gorilla's a Destiny, but one whole of Tama motherfucking Tonga, really's of the realest, hey, ain't nobody realer than the Gorilla. gorilla.
1: And let them have it because this is just an intro. Keeping the strong style six stars from the get go, boy. Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome, this is Keeping It Strong Style with your hosts, Jeremy Donovan and the young boy, Joshua Smith. And thank you for listening. Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ASA podcast on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Rodman here with the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we discuss nights 8 through 12 of the Best of Super Junior World Tag League Tour, answer your questions, and cover all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, Pro and teas.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. Young boy, how you doing, man?
2: I'm all right. You know what really bothers me? Um, You know, so ever since we started recording, keeping a strong style remote from separate locations, which it sounds like you're uh, getting moved into the Donovan Dojo right?
1: Yeah I got all my stuff out of storage today got some boxes to unpack and rearranging to do and cleaning up to do.
2: Nice well congratulations on that that will uh, serve us well for wrestling watching.
1: Oh yeah got got the big tv hooked up xbox hooked up to it so yeah we're ready to go for some watch
2: parties. But uh, ever since we started doing this remote um, I record off of my iPad. And do you remember those years ago when you two decided to randomly just throw their album on everybody's you know, iPad and iPhone and all that?
1: Yeah, it was like, or, like mid-2000s or early like 2010s maybe. I can't remember, but yeah, I remember
2: that. I, that. I don't think it was that long ago because I haven't had this thing that long. But, uh, well, actually, yeah, I guess I have, like 2016. It doesn't matter. But um, every time I go to like try to start recording or to like call you as soon as i plug in my headphones youtube just starts blaring in my ears <laughs> an unintelligible song that i've never even heard of because i've never listened to that album like i refuse to and I, I guess i should just delete it off the ipad but i'm like or right, i'll get to it later and then i always forget to and then every week without fail i'm not expecting it i go to turn on the ipad And then like Bono's like, it sucks.
1: Yeah, we need to figure out that gimmick for keeping a strong style. We just, you know, put the podcasters randomly into people's uh, Apple podcasts or in their Spotify.
2: If that made us more money, then yes. But if it didn't long term, I'd say no. Because no one wants to just have some shit put on their like (laughs) device without them like knowing. Like they definitely wouldn't listen to the show if we did that.
1: I know, like turning it on, it's like House of Torture, what are they talking about?
2: Anyway, show sucks again, but uh <laughs> at least they didn't bring Dick Togo out there tonight. <laughs> like, what is going on? Who's Dick Togo? <laughs> oh
1: man! Before we jump into uh, reviewing the shows, uh, first thing, um, a little announcement here, a little plug. So, if you are in the Tampa Bay, St. Pete area, you need to check out the first ever gift for the Giftless Charity Event Extravaganza in association with the Christmas Toy Shop Charity, and it's going to be at Cage Brewing. Come see live pro wrestling, drink a beer, and donate to a worthy cause. 100% of the proceeds will all go directly to the charity. Recommended donation is $10 or one gift meant for children aged 0 to 12. So Social Suplex Podcast Network is one of the many sponsors for this uh, gift, for the giftless event. A ton of our uh, local wrestling friends will be wrestling on the show. Captain Aaron, Aaron Nova, Eddie Torres, the OAO in the main event, Snoop Strikes, and Hunter Law against the gifted Logan Cruz and Wheezy T. AEW superstar Jay Lethal will be in the house. So it should be a, a fun event.
2: You wanna know what the funny thing is That actually sounds like a card I'd be willing to go see
1: (laughs) You know I I would go But I'm I'm gonna be in Pennsylvania this weekend uh, When that show is happening Or else I would definitely be there
2: Oh gotcha so you pulled a Vince McMahon Yeah (laughs) (laughs) Vince are you watching I was watching And it was awesome
1: Who did he say that to
2: it was that NXC UK paper, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they were, like, chanting, Vince, are you watching? And he tweeted he tweeted out, I was watching, and it was awesome. And it's, like, it's very clear Vince McMahon did not watch that shit, and he also doesn't know how to tweet, and he definitely didn't tweet out that response to those oh, people. Oh, dude, no. I...
1: There's some social media geek that's running his profile and tweeting <laughs> out happy birthdays and, you know, not –
2: It's probably that kid, Josiah, that was working over there. Josiah? Yeah. Wasn't that the name of him? The, uh, they fired him. He was the kid that was doing all the backstage interviews next in to UK.
1: I don't even remember what his name was.
2: It doesn't matter. It was some geek.
1: <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, if you're in the Tampa Bay, St. Pete area, check out the GIF for the GIF list. And also, got to plug our year-end award. So, by now, you've probably already seen the bonus episode that we did this past weekend on your feeds where Josh and I broke down. All the categories and nominees in our 2021 year-end awards Make sure you get your votes in We're about one-third of the way that we need to get to surpass uh, last year's vote So if you're listening and you haven't voted yet Go ahead and vote Uh, Bit.ly slash kissawards21 is the link that will get you to the ballot. There's a lot of tight races right now Match of the year, faction of the year, fighting spirit Young boy of the year, strong style fight of the year all your voice count, even the second and third place can swing any of these categories,
2: yeah, and uh be sure to check out the audio. we dropped it as a bonus episode um earlier this week, and you know, I felt like we did a pretty good job. Could you imagine how long that episode would have gone if we had a guest on this year
1: yeah it would it would have gone yeah, it would have been pretty long, but you know, I do feel kind of sad that we didn't have uh rich on he he felt like we we buried him uh he seen the priest? Pretty- it <laughs> be pretty sad not to, not to be on this year so. Uh, hey,
2: I I would love to have Rich come back on. He just needs to watch some new Japan and then uh, you know, and then come on out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah guys, definitely go, you know, put out your vote, you know, spread our uh uh the the awards ballot to everywhere you can, whether it's, you know, Facebook group or, you know, Messenger or you know, Discord, you know, however you conversate with other people about wrestling, be sure to get the word out about New Japan and about our awards so we can make this the most successful one ever. Yeah,
1: smack down your vote. <laughs> Voting will uh, close December 19th. So get those votes in. And we did have a question here about one of our categories. So this comes from Reddit user Raising Falcon. This is, I was looking at your feuds of the year list and I was disappointed. Maybe it's because I've watched WWE for the longest time, but when I think of feud, it's something way more personal between two wrestlers. In your list, most feuds were just really consecutive matches wrestlers had against each other. There was really no beef between them. When I think of a feud, it's more like Ocon vs. Tenzan fighting over McGonagall and Chop, but they didn't really go anywhere. Weak feud. In my opinion, Japan just has a way more subtle way of presenting feuds than the West. To me, most feuds on your list made me reflect on how a bad year it was for New Japan. If those were the top feuds the company offered,
2: huh? Uh, interesting question and some interesting remarks there from Raising Falcons. Um, I'd like to go first and I'll just address a few of these things. So, um, uh, granted, if you just looked at our list, you'd probably come to your own, um, Conclusions, but I think listening to the audio that we presented maybe gives a little bit of insight to some of our decision-making, reasoning, and that sort of thing. But I would say this. While, yes, New Japan has had a down year in terms of a myriad of things, um, I don't think it really affected the quality of the in-ring product, and I don't think it changed too much the uh, quality of the feuds that occur in this company, other than the idea that sometimes there might be consecutive series of matches that are of a higher caliber than we got this year. Um, You know, I don't think we had a two or three match series that was, well, maybe two, but we didn't have like a three match series that occurred this year that was like your Tanahashi Okada or your Omega Okada or what have you. But um, when you look at years past and what we've nominated, we've always nominated a uh, variety of different types of feuds. Some that were very personal and hate-filled, like you mentioned here. Others are literally just a series of matches, which, you know, you could say that's not a feud, but there are different types of feuds. There's personal grudge matches, heated rivalries, hate-filled, vitriol-filled, like, you know, that sort of stuff. But then there are professional rivalries where very li- there are no segments, there are very few, you know, notable promos. It's not something that's built off of a personal vendetta you know um sometimes it's just you know a pride thing or a championship sort of thing and we've seen those types of feuds quote unquote win in the past omega Okada was our feud of the year uh i think the first year that we did this um these awards maybe the first or the second year i can't recall but i mean if you think about it that's not a hate filled feud uh hate filled feud um that's one where the two guys just went out there and were competing to be the best. And it was the whole story was told in the ring. And then, um, you know, a couple of years ago we had Suzuki and Liger, and that was one match, not a series of matches. And it was all based on, uh, well, one singles match, because obviously they had many, many um, tag matches against one another where different angles did play out. And it was a long-term sort of situation that kind of, boiled over to that one singles match. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I and you know, even the criticism here, I think, is a little unfounded. When you look at some of the ones that we, we listed, many of the ones on New Japan Strong weren't just a series of matches, you know? Some of those really did have a lot of hate and a lot of uh, build and story. Same thing with United Empire versus uh, Tenkoji. That one, we pointed out, had a lot of heat, a lot of segments, a lot of angles. Not all of them were... Osprey Shingo or Okada Cobb you know
1: right and you know New Japan is a more sports-based product and you do have feuds in sports you know there might be certain football teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints like they always have like a divisional feud or rivalry and clearly like they're not going out and like taking each other's kneecaps out and you know cutting promos on each other and You know, it's uh, competitive, like we want to prove we're the better team in our division, and so you get a lot of that in New Japan, guys trying to prove they're the best, and obviously there's usually a series of matches, but also there's always tons of backstage promos. There's always interviews. I feel like there's always something that kind of links when there's multiple matches that links them together, and then obviously if you're not watching the backstage promos or reading or watching all the interviews, you miss some of that stuff. And also that's why I miss like a lot of the VTRs that are doing it during like the commercial break. Now, when they played it before the match, they would kind of tie a lot of that together. And you would see like the interviews stuff. These guys are saying, and you know, a lot of the road to shows on the multi-man matches, there's a lot of angles or, you know, certain counters that happen in the road to that play into the big match that all build into the big singles
2: matches. Right? Like for instance, we nominated Cobb versus Ibushi. They only had one match and I wouldn't call their feud a classically built, hate-filled, you know, Southern-style feud. But there was definitely um, a heightened sense of competit- uh, competition between the two of them. Uh, and it was all outlined, like you mentioned, on the Road 2 shows. Or what What was that? Kazuna Road? I can't recall.
1: I believe that one was Kazuna Road, yeah.
2: Yeah, but I mean, those were essentially Road 2 shows, most of them. And they were all tag matches, but... You know, the story was unfolding, like you mentioned, in the post-match or the post-show interviews and also during the tag matches. And that's why we nominate, was because they were doing so much good work during that portion of the tour that by the time we got to the one match that they had, the match was really fantastic, obviously, but, you know, it kind of crescendoed there. And then the vendetta was over. And that was a little unique. We don't usually do... um, you know, one match feuds as feud of the year, but th- the work they did on the Kazuna Road Tour is so good that we couldn't, you know, help, but, uh, you know, kind of give it the nom. But uh, like you mentioned, if you're not watching all that stuff, and we don't expect everybody to, obviously that's kind of what the this show facilitates is <laughs> filling people in. But, uh, you know, if you're not seeing all that stuff, you are missing some, storytelling elements and that's why it might seem one particular way when you look at those awards hope i hope that uh you know clear some of that up
1: yeah definitely but uh thanks for bringing that up uh raising falcons and uh i, th- I saw that you already voted so thank you for voting and yeah uh, supporting uh the this man song.
2: this man jeremy is watching everyone's uh votes <laughs> taking a look who's who's in it who's not
1: yeah i'm watching the ballot, see who's coming in see if i need to stop the
2: count you know <laughs> vance dot barcher 87 <laughs> <laughs> he cast his vote
1: <laughs> um, Alright uh, Two news items here That I think we should talk about here at the top of the show Before we get into the show review So um, There was a news report that came out Of the travel restrictions Being placed in Japan Due to a new variant of the uh, Coronavirus being spread And there was a lot of questions And what does that mean for New Japan What does that mean for the guys who need to get in And our man Obari uh, came out and made a statement today. So, New Japan, they are are still expecting Will Ospreay and other foreign talent to be allowed to enter Japan for Wrestle Kingdom 16. In an interview with Tokyo Sports, NJPW President Takami Obari stated that new travel restrictions implemented in Japan due to COVID-19 Omicron variant will not apply to talent that already have visas. Under the current rules, I've heard that regular foreign wrestlers have visas to work in Japan, so they'll be treated as re-entry That's been confirmed by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Obari said um, a ban on new non-resident foreign nationals entering Japan went into effect today. Those who are permitted to enter the country will have to abide by the 14-day quarantine that has been in place for some time. As the plan to reduce the quarantine to three or ten days has been suspended, according to the United Embassy of Japan. And in response to Obari's statement, Will Ospreay tweeted, Shingo can't stop me. Okada can't stop me. COVID can't stop me. January 5th, 2022, I'll be there.
2: Oh, wow. So that's really good news. I'd heard about um, Osprey being allowed to reenter. I assumed that that had more to do with him having like an actual living visa as opposed to, you know, just a temporary working one. But it sounds based on the, the you know, these statements that everyone's going to be able to come in that has a working visa that's a Gaijin.
1: Yeah, I'm expecting obviously Osprey, I think Jay White, Cobb, Finn Juice, all those guys. We should be seeing them come Wrestle Kingdom 16 weekend.
2: I know at least two of those guys for sure will be there. I don't know about the rest. <laughs> 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 but uh, you know, it's really unfortunate that uh, you know, this Omicron is continuing. Uh as everything has unfolded over the last what two years, we've kept you guys informed. Um of what we know and just kind of kept reporting on the news and it seems every every time we get a little bit of good news we get a little bit of down news so it, you know uh this seems to be not the best news in terms of like moving forward with lifting restrictions and things like that but hopefully people stay safe and hopefully this uh you know Omicron ends up not being that big a deal you know
1: right and i mean they have, they've been japan's been doing a great job with vaccinations um, we were seeing cases go down there, so hopefully you know, the thing gets under control, and you know people will be able to come in for japan, and hopefully we'll get some restrictions lifted on the the crowd cheering that's one thing i'm that's kind of a bummer with this news, it seemed like we were so close to getting uh crowds to be able to cheer again, and so with this uh new variant,
2: that might delay that but I was literally like when this all when this news broke, I was like, "Oh my God, what are they going to do for the second night? you know uh all these dudes that I wanted to compete in the noah show like are not going to be able to compete like what's going to happen but uh this seems to be pretty good news so at least you know whatever this dome show ends up looking like and feeling like at least these guys will be there which i think adds a lot of value so
1: yeah and we did have a question from hawaiian punch vb he said what will gato have to do if the foreign wrestlers can't make their way to japan due to closed borders if Oscar can't mis- make it to wrestle kingdom House, screwed it's night two he might be able to make it back because he isn't resident so we know that it it sounds like they will be able to make it back, but what do you think if these guys can't come in?
2: If they can't come in, then I think the company moves forward with, you know, doing the best show that they possibly can with the domestic guys that they have. Um, and then maybe long-term for at least the foreseeable future, if that were to be the case, maybe really re-examine their uh, domestic partnership uh, situations, you know, Obviously, they're working with Noah, but, like, there's a lot of talent out there and a lot of companies that could use the exposure and they could use the talent themselves. It would really freshen and liven things up. Um, maybe kind of consider that, you know.
1: Right. We've talked about it over and over again, kind of the over-reliance on guys in town, which they are, they are great. And it's great to have, you know, your Jay Whites and Ospreys and all those guys coming in. But also, you know, a steady balance of using uh, domestic talent, especially there's a ton of freelancers in Japan that they could utilize.
2: Yeah. But, you know, a lot of these companies do rely on touring as their premier premier model of, like, income. You know, that's how their business is run. So I think one of the most beneficial things they could do if that were the case, because I don't think they can just – I mean, they could always, you know, bring in a Sakamoto or a Jake Lee or someone like that for a big show, obviously. But, you know, one other idea that could be beneficial is, like, you send Sonata to all Japan for like a month or two, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then at that point he's still getting work and he's making a difference from, you know, the bottom line over there. And I mean, he's a, a guy that I think could like, or Goto, someone like Sonata or Goto, you send them away. I think they'd help business for the other company, but it would also kind of give them a time to like be away, freshen up their characters. Then when they come back, they can make more of an impact. And at the same time, maybe... You know, those companies could send over a guy or two and just do small talent exchanges like that. That's that's an easy way to kind of like keep things exciting and fresh, but, you know, not overextend or jeopardize anybody's like business, you know.
1: Right. Uh, I've some questions here from Rambo and Slam Pigs. What are your thoughts on the news about renewed travel restrictions? Well, what are your thoughts on how the new travel restrictions will affect New Japan, especially with regards to Wrestle Kingdom plans?
2: Well, so far, I haven't heard anything about um, the rules as far as uh, the attendance numbers being changed in the immediate sense. It sounds like right now, they're more so just, uh, you know, the travel bans is kind of more the the um, tactic that they're using. But who knows? I mean, if something bad really did break out, like, you know, in a very short order, of course, I think things could change. But... You know, we're ending, it's the end of November. We've got, you know, a little over 34, 35 days to go. Um, I think it should be okay.
1: Yeah, I, I think it should be fine. And obviously it seems like the guys with visas will be allowed into the country. So that's, I think that's the main concern and the main cause getting those guys in, especially Will Ospreay, but I, th- I think it should be, it should be good.
2: I wonder if someone knows more about travel and uh w- as far as it goes with Japan and how long those visas last? Because that would be my concern is, you know, some of these guys do have visas, but how long do they last? Are they good for a quarter, six months, a year, several years? You know, what if those come due and we're still in this hell hole? And, you know, what if they can't get renewed or something like that? Then what happens?
1: Right. I know at the beginning of the pandemic, they had extended like an extension on the visas. But yeah, I don't know how long that extension went. I don't know what the... The current due date of the visas are so, yeah, that's a good point you make. And who knows what that situation looks like? Hmm. He also asked, Do you believe the travel difficulties will eventually cause one or more foreign stars to choose a sign elsewhere? Jay White,
2: um, I mean, you could say that that were the case if this sort of thing were to happen, but um, you know, but I think only because it's tied to some of the other contentious uh, views that some of these foreign talent have as far as how COVID was handled this past year. We don't have to have a whole discussion about the Gaijin unrest or the uh, mass exodus at the beginning of 2022. But you know, if some of these uh, wrestlers like Jay White you know, Juice Robinson, Dave Finley, guys like that, if their contracts come up, I mean, that could be part of the reason why they left for sure. But I don't think it'd be the only one. I mean, I don't want to speak for them. I don't know what their individual reasonings would be, but there could be a lot of factors at play if that were the case. You know, money, other opportunities, you know, that sort of thing.
1: Right. I'm not sure how much like this specific incident will take part. I'm sure some of them probably already had their minds made up based off of the story that broke earlier in the year and them you know not coming in for g1 i'm sure this doesn't help and i'm sure with the quarantine being back to 14 days i know that was one of the reported issues that they didn't want to do the 14-day quarantine at the dojo and all this stuff so
2: but i mean think about it though if you are someone who's tired of the travel restrictions and all that and you're one of these guys and you're, you're also thinking like who knows what tomorrow holds what if things get bad and i can't get there and you know then what happens So that could be a thought that could potentially Be going through their mind and then when you're weighing your Opportunities and you've got WWE And AEW and Impact and yada yada whoever Like right here domestically You know It kind of depends on your priorities that sort of thing You know right
1: So moving on to the next uh, new story Here Kenta is set to make His return to pro wrestling Noah on January 1st it was announced Uh, During the Noah the Best 2021 event that Kenta, obviously currently wrestles for New Japan Pro Wrestling, will be a part of Noah's event at Budokan Hall on January 1st, it wasn't specified who he will face. Uh, So question from Punch PV: it was announced that Kenta will be making his return to Noah on January 1st at the Budokan. Who would you like to see him face?
2: I don't know. Um the thing is, any names I throw out, I don't even know if they—if it would be feasible for him to face them because I don't know what's going on in the company besides a few of the major things, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, But, like, the one name I could think of that maybe Nakajima again would be cool.
1: Yeah, that was the they first name history. I thought about.
2: Yeah. He's a, champion. He, he's a champion right he's now, right? He's a champion, yeah. yeah. But I, who knows? Well, yeah, because he's fighting Go, right? Yes. Okay. So I don't know. Like... No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I could maybe even see him and Marafuji tagging together in like a special dream tag team situation against someone else. I don't know.
1: Yeah, they could do some kind of match that will lead to a, an angle for uh, January 8th, Wrestle Kingdom.
2: Let him fight Masakatsu Funaki. <laughs> Run I don't know.
1: Uh, next question from Cactus Mac. Well would the likes of Sonata, Goto, and Kenta and Evil be better off if they move to Noah rather than stay in New Japan and be mid-card for life?
2: Uh wow, that's four very different names in different, you know, um stages of their career as far as what their the future holds. I mean, I think it'd be hard to say that they're all mid-card for life. Uh you know, I don't know how much money Sonata, Godo, and Kenta and Evil all make. <laughs> um, but I got to imagine that, you know, wrestling is a job. It, it, it's a it's a trade. And so it's, you know, sometimes, yes, of course, you want to be utilized to a certain extent. You believe that you're capable of being the top guy or the top draw or whatever. But, you know, every promotion, every wrestling business has different um, – Needs and not everybody can be the top guy. There has to be guys in the middle of the card. There has to be guys that are grizzled vests. There has to be guys that, you know, do the job. Like that's just part of what wrestling is. And I mean, sometimes it's better to be a top comedy act in the biggest Japanese company versus the top guy in one of the smaller, like, you know, pro indies, especially if you're not making the same kind of money. So, I guess that would be up to Sonata, Goto, Kenta, and Evil to decide for themselves. I couldn't say for sure.
1: Right. I think the big factor is going to be money. Sure, they could go to NOAA or All Japan or wherever and become the champ, be the top guy, but are those companies going to pay as much as New Japan's paying right now? Uh, I don't think also,
2: so. Also, that's a, it's a far stretch to even say that because, yeah, Sonata, Goto, and Evil have had varying different degrees of exposure or success in... Um, New Japan. Obviously, Kent is a little different because he's sort of got like a legendary status name already. But um, could I see Sonata Goto and Evil being guys that could go to other companies, win titles, and have success? Yes. But to presume that they would definitely be a top guy in, like, say, Noah or, I, I'm just throwing it, or like a Dragon Gate or someplace like that, I don't know if that's the case. A lot of these guys are older. I mean, why would those company and if, who knows, if like they weren't really affecting business long term you know unless those companies really marks for like new japan as a whole i don't know that they would even necessarily be the top guy that's presumptuous to think that that's the case because there is a lot of top talent in other companies you know
1: right it'd be a tnaism if you just brought these guys in and have them beat all your homegrown top guys
2: yeah and it doesn't always work i mean sometimes it does but it doesn't always work like that in japan
1: right uh, next question here from On 101 Any thoughts on Kenta returning to his Noah roots? Can you guys explain why Noah holds heat towards Taiji Ishimori and Yoshinobu Kanemaru?
2: Um, yeah, as far as Noah uh, or Kenta returning to his Noah roots, I don't necessarily... I mean, I think it's a cool thing. I think it's really cool just from the standpoint that, like, the last time he was in Noah, um, he was doing a special you know, appearance while he was working for WWE with two Oh five live as Hideo Atami. So it is kind of cool that he came back to Japan and he's in the top company. He's a top star there. And then he's sort of able to make his return as Kenta, you know, proper. So that's cool. Plus with the fact that wrestle kingdom is the the fourth and the fifth, and then they're having the third day, the amalgamated show on the eighth, uh, the idea that they're in what Budokan?
1: Yeah on the 1st. Yeah, a,
2: a big Budokan show on the 1st right after the Japanese New Year. Like that's really cool. Um and then the idea that Kenta will show up on that show. We don't really know in what capacity, but the the potential for some sort of um bolstering of the uh, show on the 8th and interaction between the guys from both companies because yeah, Kenta's there, but that doesn't mean he's for sure the only guy that'll be there. You know, who knows? What other elements could appear, and like, what if some of the Noah guys show up on the fourth or the fifth in some capacity? So, like, that's just all really exciting to me. Um, as far as Ishii Ishi, uh, Mori and Kenamaro go, these are two guys who, um, you know, kind of broke tradition in leaving for New Japan. Um, they were both, you know, mainstay junior guys in Noah who had like a long and lengthy relationship with the company and, in uh, you know, to a certain extent kind of were like homegrown talent. And in Japan, um, not always, but oftentimes if you spent a large portion of your career in one company and they really invested in you, uh, especially if you went through their dojo system, I, I know Ishimori didn't necessarily uh, to some extent, probably, but I think Kinemaro might have, but if you, trained extensively in a company and went through their system and they invest in you, it's kind of expected that you stay there for life. As crazy as that sounds. And then the idea of guys jumping from company to company, it's kind of rare. It has happened in the past, but it's not, uh, you know, really seen favorably. And in both cases, these guys left for greener pastures. But um, I know for sure with uh, Ishimori, the way he did it was frowned upon because he kind of told them he wasn't going to New Japan. Right, because he, he, he was to...
1: doing Impact at the time. He's like, yeah, i want to go to Impact, do some more stuff in the States. And then next thing you know, Bone Soldier has arrived in New Japan.
2: Right, yeah. So he said he was going to the States. I think he showed up for a couple indie shots, and then suddenly he's in New Japan. So they kind of felt like he dealt with them in a dishonorable fin- way. I don't them. know the story. Huh? He said finesse them. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know the, the full story but I think Kanemaru may have done something similar. I believe Kanemaru if I recall Kanemaru kind of got brought into Suzuki-Goon but then jumped with Suzuki-Goon or something like that uh, mm. I'd have to take a look at it but I don't, I don't know the full history on that one but yeah both guys apparently are you know persona non grata within the company because of that.
1: Right and even back in the day I don't know if it's still this way but you know officials from companies they don't want wrestlers talking to people from the other company like in public at least it was like it was very like you stuck with your crew like your promotion
2: yeah you got to keep kayfabe but you know the thing with Kenta is he did leave too but like when he left he was very forthright about it there was a press conference it was all made very public and you know also it was going to wwe so i mean Anytime someone goes to WWE, you'd seen this, like, oh, my God, they're going, you know. They're going to the promised leaving. land. <laughs> yeah, they're going to the majors, that sort of thing. So. Right, and then
1: that whole, like, contract sign with Hulk Hogan and him in Japan, and they made a big deal about it, so. Yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, Kenta Ritanoa should be cool. I heard there were fans that were crying in the crowd when that day announcement happened, so clearly he means a lot to them, so. Who, Kenta? Yeah.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, Kenta... Um, He's a big star man Yeah, <laughs> He's a big deal
1: Alright let's uh, shift gears here Into world tag league and best Of the super juniors so first Just pointing out the young lion So a uh, series of draws Here so on uh, night four Fujita and Nakashima went to a draw Of world tag league night five of super juniors Fujita and Oi went to a draw Night six of super juniors Oiwa and Nakashima Went to a draw night five of tag league Fujita and Nakashima went to a draw Night seven of Super Juniors, Vegeta, and Oyo went to a draw. And then night six of Tag League, Oiwa, and Nakashima went also went to a draw. Uh, young boy, thoughts on how these guys have been doing in the quote unquote C block of these tournaments?
2: Yeah, all these guys have been doing pretty great. Um, I don't have a lot of you know groundbreaking insight, but the one thing I will say. Um, while I think all three guys are are good to very good, um, I just tend to prefer the matches when it's Fujita and Oiwa a lot more than when Yuto Nakashima is involved. Um, and he's good, like I said, but they just t- – they have a really good chemistry, Oiwa and Fujita do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we saw that on display as soon as they, like, debuted. But their matches seem to just be more kind of – physical and like hate-filled you know they they feel more authentic whereas um i can always like again he just started but i can always tell when nakashima's wrestling that he's wrestling you know what i mean right yeah so that that's the main thing for me
1: yeah one thing that i've noticed well we've kind of pointed out during the early oil and Vegeta matches but these guys are just using more Submissions than a typical young lion would use, or they're, they're doing more arm mm. bars and kimuras, especially when they're wrestling against uh, Nakashima due to his uh, arm injury. And they're just doing like more submission based, more a little bit more grappling than I think we normally see with young lions. Um, Nakashima has been impressing me, and he, he even him like he did a, a guillotine on today's show against Oiwa which you really I don't think I've ever really seen young lions like doing a guillotine at all, and so
2: it's rare, yeah.
1: These guys are really kind of pushing Uh, the envelope here.
2: Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Um, The other thing, too, is I've noticed that they kind of abandoned some of the earlier, like, uh, storytelling as far as um, the outcomes of the matches. They were kind of, like, telling a story of, like, um, Nakashima having issues with his arm and then him kind of overcoming that. That's all kind of gone away. And now we're getting to the point where every night – one of these guys is putting the other one either in a double Boston crab or a single crab and it's going to the time limit. Mm -hmm. And even though they have their man in trouble in that moment, and there've been a few times where it's felt kind of close, especially lately that someone might tap, it's becoming more and more clear that they're not as easily able to push each other to the limit with just 10 minutes. Like, uh, They they're gonna need more time obviously to get a winner here, but they're definitely gonna need more time now because the guys seem to be more conditioned to go past ten minutes if that makes sense. Like they're yeah they're they're in the Boston Crab and they're stuck there, but it just kind of feels like we've seen that in the match. They might get out and then who knows? You know it's anybody's game at that point.
1: Right, and similarly we see with pretty much every young line, especially we saw with Tsuji and Yamura with their series of draws. That you know, that kept pushing that 10-minute break, and then they finally, when they got that extension of time limits, then start seeing more finishes between these guys.
2: Yeah. So, and I mean that's the big question is are any of what uh is any single one of these guys gonna be able to get a single win on anyone else, you know, or are we just gonna see all of them go, you know, the 10-minute time limit draw? Um, and some of my more like optimistic days i used to think like oh maybe at the end of it since no one's gotten a win they'll do like a triple threat (laughs) (laughs) special one-time triple threat give them you know extra time but uh i now know they're just never going to do anything like that it's just gonna play out however it's gonna play out they're probably gonna go the entire tour with everybody just getting draws for 10 minutes and then you know maybe after wrestle kingdom they'll give them more time to start getting wins on the new beginning tour whatever
1: yeah so we had a question here from Puro Poppy. He says, has the booking of Best Super Juniors or any of the participants in particular surprised you at all? Besides show, it doesn't feel like anyone is being elevated and we just have a big pack of guys hovering in the middle. Robbie Eagles in particular feels like he's right back where he was in last year's tournament besides his title run this year. I'd ask the same about World Tag League, but I ain't watching that. Glad I got you guys to do it for me.
2: <laughs> uh, great question. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, um, I am surprised by some of the booking, but by now, and you and I haven't talked about this off the air, but by now I think it's pretty apparent exactly what's going on in this tournament. And if you can see exactly what's going on in this tournament and you have experience watching these tournaments and knowing how the point structures work, I'm not really that surprised by losses that Heromu's taken or ELP or Desperado or any of these guys that you would kind of favor because um, it has to happen mathematically for the top two guys that are going to be in the finals. And I'm pretty sure who, of who those are at this point. We can you know, discuss that a little bit here. But, yeah, I'm not that surprised at all. Yeah, I think the one
1: surprising thing for me is just how well uh, Kanamaru has been doing thus far in the tournament. Uh, we'll talk about him in a second. But he's won a lot of matches, and they've been doing a lot of interesting angles with him to get him those wins. And so him being towards the top of the block has been uh, very interesting so far.
2: Yeah, but, you know, he's going to start eating some losses here going into the tail end. But I think he has kind of played that grizzle vet spoiler. It's just he's doing the spoiling earlier than we are used to as opposed to, like, the last few nights, you know?
1: Yeah. and then, That's
2: uh, my feeling on it.
1: Yeah, and then a guy like Master Watto, who I felt did better in last year's tournament point-wise at this point, and he's at the bottom of the block here.
2: I would also argue, I don't think Robbie Eagles feels like he's right back where he was in last year's tournament. Uh, I I do think he's not as elevated as one would hope after having a pretty successful IWGP junior title run because he's not headlining very many of the shows. But I do think that he's getting a lot more time. I think Mm -hmm. that the crowd responds to him a lot more. Um, And I think he's being booked to win more matches than he ever did in the past. So. He is elevated to some degree. I would I would disagree that he feels exactly in the same place.
1: Yeah, I feel like beating Desperado and Hiromu in the past year really helped credibility for him in this tournament. And when he when he does beat people, the fans are like, "Oh, behind him, they, they saw him beat Desperado and Hiromu this year." I feel like his matches have a little bit more meaning to them this year.
2: Yeah, even that aspect of it. In the past, he would beat someone, and it felt like it was a huge upset. But now. It is believable that Robbie Eagles could be anyone in this tournament on any night. And I know that kind of makes him a glorified, like, uh, spoiler to some extent. Um, he'll probably end with a, a, a really good, you know, point total op- overall. But I mean, um, it didn't feel that way last year. It felt like it, anytime he beats him, it's like, oh, shit, Robbie Eagles won. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, let's take a look at the standings here, and we'll talk about each guy and go over the results that they've had this past week. So i will start at the top of the block here for Super Juniors with Sho, who has 12 points. He is 6-1 on night five of Super Juniors. He was defeated by Yoshinobu Kanamaru, 8 minutes, 8 seconds. On night six, he defeated Doki by referee's decision, 11 minutes, 37 seconds. And then on night seven, he defeated Master Wato also by referee's decision.
2: Yeah, so show, um, his matches aren't the best. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I kind of get it because it's it's the story they're telling, you know. And um, I don't want this to sound like it's me defending it because it's I'd obviously much rather have the show that we've gotten in past year super Juniors you know so let that be said but uh, it's not like the tournament is chock full of a ton of shenanigans and cheating i mean there is some but it's almost all primarily focused on show he's the one guy that's kind of got you know his uh heat you know segment basically picked out for the end of his matches and again i know this year's been full of crap like that so that might also add to the frustration but they're clearly trying to do something new with the guy. And it could be a lot worse. We could be getting growth wires, we could be getting lights going out, we could be getting, you know, three, four, five ref bumps in a match. So I'm a little thankful that like these aren't the worst matches possible because it felt in the past like sometimes Evil and Jay White during G1 just wanted to actively have the worst matches they possibly could. <laughs> <laughs> and I I feel like shows at least kind of smart enough to know like hey one day i'm gonna still have to like go out there and put on bangers so like let's at least let people know i can still go to some level
1: yeah i don't know i, I i've been down on show and i feel like a lot some of the cheating even in the master Watto match like you have to cheat to beat master watto uh, like there's there certain guys i feel like you shouldn't have to also you want to do like the Poking the eye Back rake And stuff like that But to do the whole Ref bumping And pulling the wrench out For some of these guys I feel it's kind of It's kind of a lot Especially on shows When you have ELP doing the dick punching You have Kanemaru doing the jump zone And hitting people With the bottle You, you have Some of these other guys Some of these Desperado You have some of these Other guys Cheating to, uh, Ishimori And so show Doing it as well And then Taking the ref down And it's being Kind of egregious I'm just kind of like Down on it right now
2: Right. I do agree with you. And I did make mention that some people are cheating, but if you think about it, it, it's to a much lesser extent than what we're seeing with him, because with him, it's a very distinct pattern, you know, exactly. I mean, he's done some other stuff, but you know, the, the other guy's going to almost win. He's going to find a way out of it. There's going to be a ref bump. He's going to hit him with the wrench and then he's going to put him in his, uh, you know, whatever that
1: snake bite. submission,
2: the snake bite. Correct. And so it's like, that's his that's his deal that's what he's doing on this tour you know we've seen you know other archetypes of this in the past whereas like those other guys yeah they might cheat here and there because they're heels but they're not doing it consistently the same way each match some of them aren't even doing it in every match you know what i mean
1: yeah and i think like we've seen in the past like for new gimmick they're trying to establish the gimmick they're going to different towns they want everybody to understand all right this is the way show cheats is how his matches are laid out. So they're trying to kind of drive the point home that this is how show wrestles now. And I, I do get that,
2: but well, think about this too. It's like in the past, I, I never liked this type of thing, but it does. It didn't always feel, um, as necessary with some of those other guys you mentioned, as it might be with show. Cause think about show. He's a guy that's like beloved, you know, Roppongi 3k, they're like a really hot baby face sort of act. And, you know, the last thing you want is him going out there and doing, having matches where he is getting baby face like reactions, yeah, at get, least not getting over. Yeah. You know, they really do need to get him over as a heel. Um. And I know the argument against that is like, well, ELP has exciting matches. It's like, well, in the beginning, he still was doing—he was doing more of the the shitty cheating than he was of the flipping, you know? Right. There's there's always a gestation period where they have to get the guy over as a heel, and that's what I meant when I'm like when I said that it's pretty clear they're doing something with him. It's they're trying to get him over as heel so that people can stop loving him for now, and then at some point. You can reintroduce some of that those exciting elements, you know. Maybe like let's say if he wins here and he goes to the Tokyo Dome, then maybe you, you let him really go out there, you know, do what he can do.
1: Well, they're doing a great job because I'm definitely not liking him right now. <laughs> ah,
2: well, I don't like him either. I mean, these aren't my favorite matches to watch by any means, <laughs> but I just I get it is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, we had a question here from Reddit user Pussy Destroyer eight three six one nine says, "I am so done with the House of Torture's cheating tactics. It's so stupid." They grab, push, and throw the referee without any sort of repercussions. Even in pro wrestling, the referee should be respected, and it only enhances when a wrestler manages to get one over on the ref without him noticing. In NJPW, they literally knock the ref out themselves, and the ref does nothing. Just counts to fall when he comes back to it. It's so stupid. Everyone looks stupid. The ref looks like the biggest tool in the world. The babyface looks like such a twerp, too. You know, evil slash show is going to cheat. Have a stablemate accompany you. In one of the L.I.J. vs. Show matches, can't remember who it was, Dick Togo came out and helped Show pick up the win, and Shingo Takaki was in commentary just looking. Like, what the fuck? Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> then, when House of Torture wins and all gang up on whoever is it, then Shingo goes to, decides to go in for the save. I want to rip my eyes out. Everyone looks so stupid.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, some of that, okay. So, I, I do agree. Uh, but there's a lot of things in wrestling that I wish were a certain way. I mean, if I had my way, wrestling would probably be a very, very, very different presentation just across the board. <laughs> yeah. uh, it probably wouldn't be that far off from what blood sport is. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we could do that all day, but I do agree that there needs to be um, some level of respect for the referees and, you know, New Japan is, you know, they've got a reputation for just being way, way, way over the top when it comes to the way that they allow the the heels to bump the refs, distract the refs, and everything like that. Um, but I do think there's a fine line between an acceptable level of that versus what he's talking about, where they literally grab the ref and do something to them. I think once, you know, once any heel purposefully attacks a ref or bumps them like that, that should be automatic DQ. And I do think that's a little different than the inadvertent bump. You know, even if it's a quote unquote inadvertent bump, you know, one that's on purpose, but it's still, you know, there's some doubt as to what the intention was. But if they just grab the ref and throw them or something, that's the DQ. I can't think of any instances recently where we did that specifically though. Can you?
1: I feel like in some of the How the Torpes stuff, they will like grab the ref and, like, throw him down or, like, push him out of the way.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, that should be grounds for disqualification, like, literally. Like, because you're kind of insulting the intelligence of everybody, like, the fans. You right, know?
1: and we've seen – I can't remember which match, but I know Dick Togo's pulled referees out on, on three counts.
2: Not a big fan of that either, yeah. Yeah. I but think... that one – the thing, though, is with that – and I'm just – I'm being the devil's advocate today – uh, the referee didn't see who grabbed them, and you know how frail they are if they get <laughs> thrown <laughs> to the ground. They're done. So, I mean, <laughs> they don't necessarily know exactly who might have attacked them. I mean, there's a there's a little bit of wiggle room there, but you know, it would be really great if pro wrestling had you know instant replays or maybe like a staff of officials that maybe were in the back that could uh, step in. You know, I don't know.
1: Yeah, so you, what we're saying is we need a GM for New Japan no no
2: i'm saying it should be like a football game like if one referee gets knocked out in a a football game it's not like (laughs) it's not like there's a bunch of other dudes like standing around that could like help
1: (laughs) right yeah for me like i understand like the inadvertent ref bump like that's just a wrestling trope that will live on for the rest of eternity but once they are like you mentioned it's you know, intentionally them grabbing the ref, pulling the ref out, pushing the ref, knocking the ref down, slapping the ref, whatever it is, putting your hand on the ref, that should be automatic DQ. And I do think I kind of I agree with it, uh, Pussy Destroyer here that once they do that, and then you have the stale just kind of sitting there, it does make them look stupid.
2: The other thing he mentioned, he talked about if uh, you know if there's a big faction that cheats and you know for a fact that they're going to do certain things, why don't you? have another member of your stable come out with you we've kind of talked about that in certain cases but you know there there are okay like for instance with lij they have like a kayfabe reasoning why they don't come out and interfere in each other's matches because they have this like idea that they're all supposed to stand on their own and sort of not need the help or support of their stable mates you know right uh and i guess it depends on what the uh motivations and the uh philosophy of different teams are because they're not all the same
1: right and that's kind of we've seen that with elijah like you mentioned yeah that's kind of been their thing like you know the very very last straw will come out to help you but otherwise like you're you're on your own kid um yeah uh chaos we know they just they don't they don't support anybody unless it's like goto ish and yoshihashi getting each other's backs they never <laughs> are together
2: right so yeah the other thing too is like um You know, sometimes I don't know. I don't know what the kayfabe rules are. Like, very often in New Japan, we're mostly seeing guys be accompanied by their official seconds, you know? And I, I do think there are occasions where people get followed out by like their tag team partner or stablemate, but that's a little bit rarer. You know, we're not seeing as much of that in New Japan today. And we're certainly not seeing you know the whole stable come out together like we did with the bull club days anymore mm. you know that's kind of been done with so
1: right but yeah that pretty much wraps up, up for show i would say i i, I did enjoy the kanamaru match cuz kanamaru came out with a jump zone wasn't dealing with any his cheating and got this man out of here in 8 minutes and that was a pretty surprising upset win there
2: yeah i kind of popped when kanamaru beat this man in 8 <laughs> minutes i was like fucking jump zone yes
0: <laughs>
1: So let's move on to the next guy here, El Desperado, who has nine points, four wins, two losses, one draw. So on night five, Despy defeated Doki, 15 minutes, eight seconds. On night six, he defeated Robbie Eagles, 18 minutes and 25 seconds. And then on night seven, he defeated his tag team partner, Shinobu Kanemaru, 15 minutes and 10 seconds.
0: Yeah,
2: so Desperado kind of uh, bouncing back from an early... uh, kind of deficit and, you know, racked up three in a row here against uh, two of his stablemates. So there's that, you Mm -hmm. know, some people were calling, uh, you know, I heard rumors that that the fix might've been in on that one. I don't know. (laughs)
0: Um,
2: But in all seriousness, I think Desperado has been having a pretty strong tournament. I wouldn't say like the greatest tournament in terms of match quality, but then again, I wouldn't say that about anybody in this tournament. Right. But I think he's doing a good job in the main events and semi main events. And um for for whatever reason, he just feels like a guy that's really coming to his own as a singles wrestler and a character. Um, you know, he I he's still not at like the Doki level where Doki's out there killing himself every night, trying not to go back. <laughs> but he's not too far off. I think Desperado is doing a, a pretty good job here and I I've enjoyed all these matches.
1: Yeah, and also we've seen like an increase in the leg work for him setting up that numero dos uh, submission hole that he uses, the Brock lock. And so up in the work on that. And yeah, I think he's just, like you mentioned, he comes to, he came into his own as a singles wrestler. Like he has kind of his, you know, signature kind of stretch of moves. He kind of has his, all his mannerisms. I think the crowds are more invested in those matches as well. And I think he is one of the better performers in the tournament across the board.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at this point, obviously, he's the champion. He's not going to win the tournament. He could play a factor into the finals. And I see him getting a lot of wins from here on out. He'll probably take one more loss just to kind of make sure he doesn't uh, make it to the finals. Unless one of the people that's beaten him, you know, ends up having a tiebreaker over him between here and now. But, uh, you know, Desperado, he's still got some big matches, some big main events in front of him. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm pretty optimistic what the rest of the tournament looks like for him.
1: Yeah, I would say out of this stretch, the Eagles match was probably my my favorite out of these three that he had this past week. Kind of following up from the series that they've had this year, I think they've built some uh, really good chemistry. I wouldn't say this is the best match out of the series, but it did play off the previous matches they had this year, and obviously both men worked for leg submissions and all that. That story was told as well eagles has done a lot better with his selling over the years as well so really good match up there on night six
2: yeah he rolled up robbie huh yeah <laughs> it's been a we, we mentioned this last time but this is the roll-up tournament there there are so many roll-up pin victories in this tournament like it's i don't know if it's like that every year but it feels like it's I don't way think more this so. year
1: yeah i feel like in previous years most dudes hit their finish and that's it this year it's like sponsored by yo it's everybody's doing <laughs> wacky roll-ups
2: <laughs> okay well next we got yoshinabu Kenamaro, eight points four wins three losses he uh defeated show on the uh fifth night eight minutes eight seconds he was defeated by rizuki taguchi on the sixth night 10 minutes and 13 seconds and then on night seven he w- was defeated by his tag team partner el desperado 15 minutes 10 seconds
1: See, i mentioned earlier, it's been really interesting to see Konamaru, you know, being positioned so high. I mean, normally, like you mentioned, he is that kind of grizzled vet who pulls the upset wins, but I feel like it's been a little bit more in this tournament, maybe because it's just so heavy at the beginning, and pretty much, you know, doing the jump zone right for the entrance way and not wasting any time. Uh, like I said earlier, I popped for him a beating show there on night five. Uh, had some interesting matches with Taguchi and Despi on six and seven. Taguchi was more kind of a more of a, a goofy match and um, trying to use some antics to to get Taguchi out of there. But Taguchi was able to uh, outmaneuver Kanemaru at the end there to get the win. Um, and then just being uh, Kanemaru, Kanemaru didn't you know, hold back here against his uh, stable mate And he knew he was going up against uh, the junior champ and was hoping to uh, get a future junior yeah. tile shot out of this match.
2: Yeah. And, you know, he couldn't beat that man fair and square. Yeah. <laughs> the thing with Kanemaru is yes, he... Uh, I think part of it is that he's got four wins, so he's one of the, you know, I mean, he's tied with, uh, you know, Taguchi, who's a historically good performer. He's tied with uh, Taiji Shimori, so, I mean, he's in rarefied company, and that's not usually where we see him at this point in the tournament. I, I do expect him to start eating more losses between now and then, but I've enjoyed not, I wouldn't say his matches. I think I say this every year about Kenmao and Super Juniors, though he always kind of sneakily has an enjoyable tournament because he's kind of a creative guy and finds different mm-hmm. ways to do things.
1: Well, I think he has a, and, a, a certain role, and he's very good at that role. Like, he's not going yeah. to try. He's not going to try and overachieve and try and get a five star match. Like he knows where his spot is. He knows his role, and he does perfect at his role.
2: And I think what makes it perfect is he's not doing the same thing every night. It's like I mentioned, kind of creative. So, you know, he is jump zoning people. He's finding different ways to cheat and make it believable that a guy like him, from his status, could be beating guys from like, you know, the top level. And so, uh, it's like the Ishimori uh, countout. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like the jump zones when he like beat up the show. <laughs> so it's like it's kind of it's funny the way he's beating these guys up. Like he. You know, no, no flips, just fists, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, the next guy here, the bone soldier, Taiji Ishimori, also with eight points, four wins and three losses. On night five, he was defeated by his tag team partner, El Fantasmo, 15 minutes, 53 seconds. On night six, he defeated Hiromu Takahashi, big man event, 25 and 36 seconds. And then on night seven, he lost to Yo, 13 minutes and 33 seconds.
2: Yeah, so Ishimori, um, probably, in my opinion, the number one or number two top performer in the tournament in, in terms of, like, just match quality and effort right now, which uh, I guess isn't that surprising because he's such a talented guy, but it is based on the levels of uh activity we've gotten out of him over the past two years you know
1: right there's a knock on him sometimes that he's lazy doesn't always try really hard and we do see that in some matches but i feel like yeah he's been trying you know busting his ass really hard in this tournament and doing some really good performances and you know the the match with Hiromu it was an awesome uh match up on night six you know Throw back to some of their other you know junior matches and super junior matches, and that was one of the the best matches of the whole tournament. And just his, uh, I feel like he's really up the arm and shoulder work, incorporating shoulder breakers, more arm maneuvers, lamisticas to kind of get into that uh, bone lock. We saw that there with the hermo match where he got him in the middle and finally was able to get him to tap. Uh, the elp match was very uh, funny with both of these guys, you know. At first, not wanting to hurt each other or out each other. Then also that kind of broke down. And it seemed like Taiji's uh, had a loaded boot also that he was trying to use on Phantasmo. And at the end, he was going to get the super kick, but he couldn't do it. And then Phantasmo took advantage.
2: Yeah, and you got to wonder, has Taiji Shimori always had a loaded boot and he's just chosen not to use it? He's kind of left that aspect to uh, ELP. But what if, like, secretly he's been harboring his own loaded boot the whole time and just, you know, waiting for the opportune moment to, like, unleash it? Yeah. Uh, But more likely, the story here was that he decided to fight fire with fire and loaded his boot. And it was funny because he was in the opportune, you know, place and time to unload it on ELP. And then at the last second, he, you know, decided not to and (laughs) he got rolled up and lost. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah ate a loss there, then uh he also he uh ate a loss on night seven to yo you know we'll talk about yo in a little bit, but he's been kind of resurging and he's been uh beating people with the the five star clutch his uh number one wacky roll up that he does
2: yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but i mean um you know that was a high stakes match for yo uh, he's pretty much at the point if he loses any other matches he's going to be out of this tournament, so you know if if you believe in yo and he's on a string of victories. Again, we'll talk about it, but this wasn't necessarily the most surprising um outcome in the world. But uh pretty good match, you know, Ishimori's out there doing his thing. I, I don't see him being a guy in play to win this tournament. But uh you know, he's pretty much positioning himself to have a big twenty twenty two with these types of performances and, you know, who knows I mean he might be champion again before long
1: definitely and I would definitely say go out of your way to check out the
2: Hiromu match from night six you know oh, I would say I was not as big on that match as everybody else was really yeah we're going to talk about Hiromu here in a second but there was a, uh, a different Hiromu match that I've seen that I liked more that I've seen like way lower uh, grades for that match I thought was good But I just – I don't know. I just didn't feel it the way everyone else did. It's got really high reviews. and I'm like, I don't know. It seemed regular to me.
1: I don't think – it's Hiromu and Ishimori, man. You just don't – you're never as high as anybody else is.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's right. I'm never never (laughs) as high as everyone else That is true, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Bro, and you know what the funny thing? It's not like a confirmation bias. It's not like I'm thinking that they're not – in fact, in my mind, I'm always like, it's Hiromu and Ishimori. They're going to go out there and fucking kill it, you know? But then when you say that, I'm like, you know what? I am always lower on their matches. It, there's just a lot. There's a lot of. The early part of the match is very great. The final um, closing stanza was really great. But that middle heat segment with Ishimori is just like, I don't know. I, I, I want to see who I'm going to do flips. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought Hiromu did a great job of selling, and I thought I really enjoyed like the, the new like shoulder breakers and working over the arm. I felt like Ishimori, it wasn't like he locked in a rest hole. I felt like he was right. kind of actively working over that area, especially since Hiromu obviously had like you know torn pec and shoulder issues and arm right. issues. I felt like I played in that story, so I don't know. I, I really dig the
2: match. Well, I do think that was important because I think going forward – Um, they've really established that being a target for him and Ishimori is kind of the first guy to really hone in on it more so than anyone else. And I, I think it played a factor into the next night of the tour for them. And, uh, you know, that might continue to be a storyline going forward throughout the rest of super junior. So, yeah. But yeah, I I I don't know. I was probably like three and three quarters on that match. I think other people were higher.
1: <laughs> I was like four and a half.
2: <laughs> oh god, I, I could maybe go four, but I, I'll give you that. That's about it.
1: <laughs> uh, so uh, next up, Riskei Gucci, eight points, also four win, three losses. Night five, he lost to Master Wato, 12 minutes and nine seconds night six he lost to or he defeated yoshinobu Kanamaro 10 minutes 13 seconds and then on night seven he defeated doki at 11 minutes and 39 seconds
2: yeah taguchi's out there um he's a good hand he's got a comedic shtick i wouldn't quite call a match with him a night off in the same traditional sense as like yano is in the g1 but he doesn't seem like a guy that's too hard to work with. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think Taguchi's out there giving us big match Taguchi performances anymore right now. Maybe at the tail end of the tournament, that might change. But, um, you know, he's got four wins. He's doing well in the tournament. That's to be expected. He always does well in these tournaments. And, uh, but I don't have much to say here. I mean, they're solid matches. They're funny. They're kind of a night off. He's, you know, wrestling three-star matches every night. Pretty consistent.
1: Yeah, I would say at the beginning of the tournament I felt like a, a couple of his matches were more Towards a big match, Gucci style Than kind of this metal stretch kind of leaned back more into the comedy uh, Especially like during the Doki match They had the uh, the inflatable Doki pipe <laughs> uh, That Taguchi was uh, messing around with Doki with in, in the match uh, but yeah, A lot of jokes, a lot of shenanigans here um, Taguchi, you know, he's a guy Who's a former top junior So he's kind of in that top half of the block here What with the champs, with Desby and Show and all these guys. But similar to Kanamaru, I think we will see Taguchi eat some losses as we go further in the tournament.
2: I'm pretty sure of it. Um, yeah, I think it's been a while since we really got like that. Well, I guess the Hiromu match was like the last really good singles match we got from Taguchi and the uh, uh, Super Juniors last year, probably, huh? Yeah. Well, speaking of Hiromu, um, he's next up, seven points, three wins, three losses, one draw. Um, On night five, he defeated stablemate and tag team partner Bushi, 21 minutes and 16 seconds. On night six, he was defeated by Taiji Shimori, 25 minutes and 36 seconds. And then on night seven, he was defeated by El Phantasmo at 23 minutes, 14 seconds. So... I think this is kind of what one of those runs where uh, earlier we had a question that was asked us. We were surprised by some of the booking. I assume some of that is referring to Hiromu's, you know, um, success in this year's tournament.
1: Yeah, I think they've been kind of doing a a slow tease with Hiromu. And it's also he's always going to be one of the favorites. He's a top draw in the junior division. And I don't think you just can go out there right away and just have him beat everybody and be pushed super hard in these tournaments. You you need him to eat some losses. You need him to make it make it hard so people can invest in him. And people just don't get tired of him winning. So I, I do I understand what they're doing here and kind of setting him up to for a comeback later on in the end of the tour. Um, eating two big losses to guys who are probably going to play into some final scenario to Taiji and ELP, both bull club guys he's had rivalries with and junior title matches with. So. If he wins and becomes champion, you set up some future title matches, or maybe he needs to beat one of these guys to advance to the finals. Uh, There's going to be some stories definitely coming out from all the losses that he's had in the tournament so far.
2: Yeah. My my whole thing with this is it's kind of like this. Um, While initially... I pretty much was predicting Hiromu to win the whole thing because that's just kind of the safe and obvious bet. The more As the tournament kind of continued on, the more I thought about it, I was like, that's kind of the most boring and obvious thing you could possibly do. Not because I don't like Hiromu and I wouldn't like to see him wrestle a big match in the Dome, um, especially with Desperado involved. And that might still happen regardless of whether he wins the tournament or not. And I think I've said that on the show. But, you know, his trajectory, his character arc cannot just be that I was champion and then I got injured and I left and then I came back and I won the super juniors and now I'm headlining the dome and it feels like we've gotten that story several times now and if they did it here again it's just wash rinse and repeat at that point so again I'm all for Desperado and Hiromu locking up and I think there's a way to get there but in my opinion, I am taking the stance right now. Hiromi Takahashi will not play a factor in the finals of Best Super Gears 2021. He's mm. not going to even. He's not going to be in the finals. Wow! And in order for him to not be in the finals, um, he has to eat losses against guys like Taiji Shimori and ELP, and they're doing it in a way to where he's. I wouldn't say protected, but like, you know, he's compromised. He's, he's still kind of coming back from the shoulder injury he that's kind of getting targeted and i don't know he's you know some nights he's got the that, that was another thing what's the deal with like some nights he's got the long boys and then other nights he's got the grungy shorts and i'm like part of me was like was this a well thought out thing like sort of like the O'Con big match uh, attire but i don't think it is i think the deal is he's only got one pair of each at this point. And he, right. You know, and he washes and one
1: one night and then wears the shorts and he washes the shorts the other night, wears the long pants.
2: <laughs> right. I don't think that he'd like put a lot of thought into this. I think he's like, <laughs> uh, after this tour, I'll buy some more shorts and we'll get rid of these long boys. We'll, we'll just go straight shorts, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um,
2: yeah, I think he's pretty protected going forward. I think he's got uh, interesting losses and character motivations that, will propel him going into next year.
1: Yeah, I think the shoulder is definitely going to be the key here. So Taiji really started the work there on night six with all of the arm work he was doing and getting him to tap with the the bone lock. And then we saw in the ELP match, ELP followed up on that and went uh, targeted the shoulder, targeted the arm, and even ELP got uh, Hiromu into the bone lock as well towards the end of the match. Uh, Great near submission there but really had a ton of uh, focus there on, on that shoulder and arm. And uh, at the end of that ELP-Horomu match, I know we'll talk about ELP in a second, but there was a, a promo at the end of that match where um, you know he said that he's going to be winning Best of the Super Juniors and will be at Wrestle <laughs> Kingdom. And Jay White, if you're not there, and then he dropped the mic. Uh, so we have some questions here. First from Cactus Mac, would ELP really benefit from moving up to heavyweight when, they're, when, when that is already pretty crowded?
2: You know, I was watching him wrestle Hiromu, and I don't recall necessarily having this thought last year when they wrestled in the dome, but he seemed way bigger than Hiromu did. And maybe and he is obviously taller. Like I looked up his height, his build height, or maybe his real height. I don't know. They say he's one. But he looks like he's probably six one, yeah. You know, which that's pretty—that's a pretty tall frame. And but it says he's under two hundred pounds. I—I I don't know if right now at this point that that's actually the case. He looks like he's got a little bit more muscle in his frame than he used to. So, I think he could be a heavyweight if he really wanted to be.
1: Yeah, I feel like during COVID, he bulked up. You know, as he was super king trees in Canada, he really uh, put, some, <laughs> put some muscle on during that time period when he wasn't wrestling. And so, yeah, I mean, he's as, as tall as almost like Zach or maybe Osprey. Like, he's in that height range, and both those guys are heavyweights. They p- both put on muscle. So, yeah, I think even with his frame right now, if he puts on more muscle, great. But even with his frame right now, I think he could be in the heavyweight division and could be an interesting uh, change up there.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, we had another question here. Or you, did you already read that one from Dan? No, I didn't. Okay. He asked us, he said, if ELP takes over as bulk of leader, would you consider that an upgrade or downgrade from the Switchblade?
1: That's an interesting question. I mean, I feel like it's kind of hard to... I think from maybe from face value, it might seem like a downgrade because Jay's already been made a star... Uh, He's had his Wrestle Kingdom moments. He's had G1 moments. He's kind of been proven to draw great promos, had some great, you know, match of the year candidates. I just feel like ELP really hasn't been tested in that area yet or pushed to that extent to really say whether or not he can hang at that level like Jay White got to.
2: Yeah. I mean, that almost echoes my exact sentiments. I mean, the one argument you might have against that line of thinking is they said the same thing about Kenny. You know, mm-hmm. so maybe that's the case. There is a part of me, though, that feels like Bullet Club has run its course. And, you know, we don't know the situation with Jay, but there are a lot of people speculating he might be leaving. And then this kind of promo just sort of adds fuel to that fire. Um, and who knows? Maybe, Maybe, I don't know, maybe with this supposed split with House of Torture, maybe ELP joins those guys and it's not – you know, a business thing, but it's more just like an angle that they're running. You yeah, know? yeah. Or maybe hypothetically, Jay is leaving and they need ELP to facilitate his role so that he can be the leader guy that's going off against evil. I don't really know, but most of it sounds boring to me if you ask my honest opinion. It's not something I really want to see at this point. I'm not – I don't have very much interest in the house torture bull club thing. This would be like the third or fourth time they've tried to do a civil war – of some sorts that just seems to kind of sputter out. And um, I'm not saying that Elphantasma is for sure like a downgrade from Switchblade, but I think because the book club itself has downgraded with every single leader, it feels like. Yeah. It would kind of be a downgrade in a certain sense. I don't know if the book club platform is one where, El Fantasma is just gonna like suddenly become a, a top guy or a top star. It just doesn't feel that way. It certainly wasn't for Evil, and I don't know if it would be for him.
1: Right. I will say I do feel like ELP does remind me more of previous Bullet Club guys. He reminds me more of a Kenny of the Young Bucks, like an AJ uh, from that kind of that the characters that they were kind of playing more than Jay. I do. I still feel like Jay is still kind of a weird fit for Bullet Club. Uh, so i think in that sense uh, elp might be could be a better leader in that sense
2: i kind of agree but i think that jay is a weird fit for the leader of the bull club when you're comparing it to the ensembles that you mentioned from the past but those guys aren't here anymore that's the problem you know i think jay fits in great with the bull club that's here i don't know that elp would be a great leader for the guys that are here i mean you know, you got Ujiro, you got Ishimori, uh, G-O-D. You know, this isn't exactly, you know, OG Bullet Club guys. Right. So, I mean, they don't even, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see what their their plans are going forward here. But that was a very, very interesting promo. And it got people talking, and I bl- I am excited. to. The, the only thing that would be exciting to me is if somehow Phantasmo and Jay White got into, like, a feud. That's one that actually would have interest for me. Anything involving evil, I just don't have
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. ELP and J would be way better than doing J versus evil or ELP versus evil.
0: Right. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
1: Uh, So next up, we got Bushi coming in six points, 30 wins and four losses. Night five, he lost to his tag partner, Hiromu. Night six, he defeated the aforementioned ELP, 13 minutes, 45 seconds. And then on night seven, he was defeated by Robbie Eagles, 12 minutes and 52 seconds.
2: Okay, perfect. So, I mean, at this point, a lot of the things that I said about Taguchi, I think you could kind of apply to Bushi. Um, Although I think Bushi is putting in a pretty good, solid effort, and he's trying his hardest. But, you know, I'm, I'm just not a big Bushi guy. I think he's having good matches, and that's about it. And he's, you know, he's the quintessential mid-card junior in, in new japan
1: yeah i think very similar to Kanamaru. i feel like yeah bushi has that role and again i feel like he kind of knows that role and i know he's had previous injuries as well i mean he is working very hard but i feel like he kind of knows like where his slotting is um and, and he's probably just happy with that and that he did you know like you mentioned very serviceable very you know you know good to very good matches depending who he's facing and Goes up there. He he gives a really hard effort. You're not you're not going to get a ton of notebook matches out of him, but he's you know doing his job.
2: I was interested in the um, the singles match he had with Hiromu just because of the aspect that they're you know partners and everything like that. So I mean, and then plus like Naito came down and did commentary during the match. So I mean that that element was pretty cool and exciting. But other than that, I wouldn't um, you know like you said he's serviceable. Yeah,
1: that hurl match was probably the best match that he had uh this past week. And yeah, just a lot of intrigue. I think the, th- the thing with Bushi, it's just kind of very hard to to buy him beating anybody seriously. And when he does beat people, we're like, oh, okay.
2: Well, I mean, I do believe it because it's like he's beaten quite a few guys. And I mean he was the IWGB junior champion at one point. So but I mean, I if he were to go on a run and start like Beating everybody I'd be like I don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah <laughs> So uh, next up Robbie Eagles with Six points 30 wins and four Losses Robbie Lost to Yo on night five 1348 he Lost to Despy on Night six in 1825 And then he like we mentioned He defeated Bushi On night seven 12 minutes, 52 Seconds
2: so earlier We answered a question and we kind of talked about Eagles kind of a bit. So I feel like we did a pretty good job sort of covering this. The, the only other thing I would add to my thoughts on Robbie is the one thing that could end up making it feel like he hasn't really elevated, even though all the other things we said were true, that they're giving him more time, he's getting more reactions, you know, he feels, you know, more kind of uh, comfortable, that sort of thing. Is if at the end he does end up like with the 500 record. If hmm. at the end of it he still ends up with that, then uh, our, you know, uh, listener that asked the question is absolutely right. He's not. He's he hasn't gotten any higher than he was just a year earlier, but um, I don't expect that to be the case. I, I am thinking that most of the guys that were recent champions will have pretty good records by the end of this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, overall, it was a good week here for Robbie. I would think probably his best match was probably the Despy match from night six. But I do think, you know, after beating Bushi on seven, we'll see him continuing to trend upward as we continue on the tournament.
2: Nice. So after that, we have El Fantasmo sitting at six points, three wins, four losses. And he defeated Taiji Ishimori night five. He, defe- he was defeated by Bushi on night six in what some call an upset. And then night seven, he defeated Hiromu Takahashi.
1: Yeah, so we kind of talked about ELP and some of the matches he's had with uh, all these opponents here. Also, we talked about the Taiji match. Just what a, kind of a funny match that was with them trying to out to each other um, at the end there. And Taiji not being able to super kick him with the loaded boot. Uh, the Hiromu match, that, that main event that happened yesterday, was a really good uh, main event match up here um there was some cheating in in towards the the closing stretch there but then they continued on and had some more uh exchanges and reversals elp actually there was a ref bump he went underneath the ring to grab the load he switched his shoe out put the loaded boot on and that, that led to him finally uh countering the time bomb and hitting the sudden death on hiromu to get the win
2: so i noticed and now they're pretty early as far as the reviews and results go but um I noticed that people were a lot lower on that match than I am. And I wouldn't say I liked it, maybe say quite as much as the Wrestle Kingdom match, but I thought the match he had with Hiromu was really awesome. And um, I thought that it had some of the strongest closing sequences, like big match feeling closing sequences of any match in this entire tournament this far. I really do. Yeah, um, there's was a, t-
1: a ton of just great reversals out of the time bombs, reversing yeah. the the spinning uh, neckbreaker game that he does, reversing the one-wing angel. Like, there's a ton of great counters here.
2: A lot of great counters and reversals, like you mentioned, but also some really great near falls, too. I mean, there was a few that I actually bid on. So, I mean, I don't know. I think there's some sort of weird reason that everyone else seems to be a lot lower <laughs> on this matchup than I am, but... uh yeah, I thought that that match really ruled. Um, I also noticed um, in the Bushi match, you know, he got pinned because he kept continuously trying to go for that one winged angel. Then he and he tried to go for it against Romu, and obviously he's never been able to hit the one winged angel. That's the one homage move of all the other previous Bull Club leaders that he's never been able to utilize. And then he cut that promo after he beat Hiromu, basically stating like. You know, maybe we need to stop looking to the past, start f- focusing on the future, you know, right. And I don't, and I don't know if that has something to do with the story that they're telling with him trying to constantly use an, a previous leaders, you know, maneuver, and maybe he needs to get away from that and just focus on kicking people's heads, you know, the way he did those trees up in the tundra. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because that was almost a downfall for him in the Hiromu match. You know, he hit the V-trigger, and then he went for the one wing, and then Hiromu was able to do a victory roll out of that and get her near fall, so he almost lost it there. Yeah, so
2: that's my only real thoughts there, but I mean, you know, um, I think he, I think he's having a pretty good tournament, honestly.
1: Yeah, I would say he's one of the, the top performers thus far.
2: Yeah, and he's another guy expected expect to start picking up more wins. You know, people are thinking that, you know... I think, actually, if you look at the scores, I think this is a pretty parody-based tournament across the board for the most part. And I think that's why people are also surprised about so many people taking losses. Yeah. Also, well, keep in mind, that's why we're getting so many roll-up victories is because people are getting protected by lose, but still losing, you know?
1: Right. And I think at the same time, too, they need to create new stars. They need to elevate people and put people on – Level Hiromu. Everybody complains that Hiromu's the only top junior. Well, the, the way to do that, you you have to have guys beat him and elevate guys to his level. So,
2: yeah, if is the only guy that wins all the matches and taps everybody out and has all the four stars and then headlines to the dome and then and then what?
1: Yeah, then <laughs> he know. moves to heavyweight or he goes to goes to America. Then yeah, then what happens? He goes to
2: wrestle on the Rainbow Brand.
1: <laughs> he joins uh, Kushida and. Jiro and uh, Jack of Time?
2: No, he attacks uh, Kushida Under a completely different gimmick And they're never allowed to acknowledge that they ever knew each other In the past
0: (laughs) Uh,
1: So moving on to the next guy Yo, also with 6 points 3 wins and 4 losses So on night 5 he defeated Robbie Eagles, night 6 he defeated Master Wato and then night 7 He defeated the Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori
2: Yeah, so Yo's a very interesting situation. You know, he lost his first four matches back to back to back. And then it was pretty much stated like if he lost a single other one, it would mathematically disqualify him. And even at this point, um, even if he won all of his matches going forward, there is always the possibility he could still get disqualified because four losses is something with tiebreakers and everything like that. You could still get eliminated. But if you want my honest opinion after looking at this, i mean he he beat Robbie Eagles, he beat Wato, he beat Ishimori. I think that Yo is going to win every single match until the final night at that point, I don't know what's gonna happen, but he is facing show on the final night, right?
1: I think so, yeah,
2: yeah, I mean we've been kinda and we're not the only podcast, but there's you know people are watching this, everyone kind of lamented what was going on with Yo I mean this guy has won a singles match since before he was injured, you know, uh, like in 2019. Uh, he's been losing all these tag matches. He came up on the short end of Rupagi 3K. There's a lot of things to kind of complain about. And then they're beating him like a drum and it's like, what, what is going on? And last last week, you and I both kind of sounded like, we're like, yeah, maybe, maybe he's just done in this tournament and this is a continuation of some story that they got down the road for him. But now looking at, these three wins back to back, I'm like, oh no, we're stupid. This is why everyone's losing. And this is why they, they just did the, they did the story that they do every time where, you know, someone starts off not hot and then they come back, you know, on on the comeback trail towards the tail end. That's what they're doing with yo. Um, now I will, I do want to take something back. I said earlier that Hiromu couldn't play into the finals. I keep getting confused with these, uh, single block tournaments and i keep forgetting that at the end the top two point earners are going to face off again right so i could be wrong on that haromo could still be in play um but i think show and yo is going to be like one of the top determining matches and i wouldn't be surprised if somehow they end up in the finals against each other again even after the, f- the final night
1: yeah that could make a ton of sense especially with the rivalry that they have going on and also show started super hot and yo starting cold and show it's eaten one loss so far. So I think we're going to see show eat some losses on the way to the finals while Yo continues to pick up more wins. And he's been utilizing the, the five-star clutch, uh, that roll-up uh, giving that he, he does. Um, and so he's been getting a lot of wins with that and kicking people with that.
2: Yeah, I, uh, what's his finishing move called again? You, you the gave uh, you the name of it.
1: direct drive.
2: The direct drive. Okay, I, f- I, w- I was watching this match. I was like, all right, let's fi- figure out what the fuck the direct drive is so I know what it is. It's basically just a, a Death Rider, but s- it spins a little bit.
1: Right, yeah. It's the uh, the J.D. Drake, the, his uh drill bit. Uh, Mont- or uh, Angel Dawkins uses it sometimes too.
2: Okay, so the funny thing is you, you said that last week, and I was like, dude, I don't know what those guys' finishers are. <laughs> but it's pretty much the same move that Moxley does, except they spin a little bit before he drops them. Right, yeah yeah but um, yeah man, I think that's what's going on with Yo. I, I don't know that he's gonna be in the finals. I don't know that he's gonna win the tournament or anything like that, but I think that the main story of this tournament is show and Yo. And I think probably a lot of people presumed that that might have ended up being the case, but then when they started off with you know, show doing this house of torture, Crap over here and then yo just Getting beat like a drum night after night It was like oh I guess not it taking <laughs> up a separate Directions but I Think that's what's happening I think the tale of this tournament is Establishing showing yo as singles Guys yeah
1: and I think they didn't want to You know beat it over the top Of our heads right away and they didn't want to make It super obvious no. right in the beginning Which New Japan always they they're very good At like not making things you know super Obvious and making you kind of think and wait For what you really want Uh, So it makes tons of sense that they went with this. They always do this kind of storyline where one guy starts super hot, one guy starts super cold, and they kind of, you know, end up going opposite directions here. And so, yeah, I'll see. You got got to establish show as a single. You got to establish yo. And so,
2: yeah, December eleventh, best of the Super Juniors, Yo and Show are fighting on the final night. So, it makes a lot of sense to me that that's the case. Yeah. I guess I should have put my put my uh thinking hat on before i started like analyzing this tournament you know usually <laughs> we do it like a big breakdown for super juniors but the last two years it just hasn't felt worthy of it
1: <laughs> well we had, they didn't really give us time either it's like they just kind of like throw the tournament and starts like right away we don't even have like a, a, like a week or so to like do like a big like
2: preview like would
1: normally would in a may super juniors
2: that combined with the amount of other coverage that's been going on with this company it's been impossible yeah but yeah, I think that's the deal with Yo. I think he's going to be a player at the end.
1: Yeah. So uh next up we got Doki who also who's at uh he's at 4 points. He has 2 wins and 5 losses. On night 5, he lost to Despi. Night 6, he lost to Show and on night 7, he lost to Guguchi.
2: So Doki's back to his losing ways. I still find him to be extremely entertaining in this tournament regardless. I think he's doing as Good as can be expected in these, you know, 15 to sub-15-minute matches. Um, I really liked the Desperado match in particular, but the one thing I've noticed with Doki is, like, anytime he puts him in the Doki Choki, it's pretty much a sign that he's about to lose the match because <laughs> it is. It's true. Like, it's, <laughs> it's become the moment where it's like, oh, okay, he's about to lose, you know? Yeah. Show's got the ref bump, and then you know what's going to happen. Doki's putting him in the Doki Choki. It's like, all right. <laughs> he's about to get out of here. Game
1: over for him. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I've really enjoyed Doki this whole tournament. Uh, I would say the earlier, he kind of peaked a little bit higher towards an earlier part of the tournament. Um, But it, it's because also- he went
2: over, brother. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But yeah, this past week has been good as well. Yeah. The Death Speed match, probably the best out of this stretch here. But yeah, Doki's a guy, like we mentioned, not going back, works super hard. He, he's doing the, the crazy dives and crazy bumps and really working hard to get over and get his matches over.
2: Nice. And then finally we got Watto sitting at four points, two wins, five losses on night five. He defeated Rizuki Taguchi, 12 minutes, nine seconds, night six, Yo defeated Watto 14 minutes and 58 seconds. And then night seven show defeated master Watto by referee's decision, 15 minutes and two seconds.
1: Yeah. It's been very interesting to see the kind of difference in placement in that Wato has this year versus last year. I feel like last year he was in more main events and semi main events. He did higher in the block and now he's started off super cold here, two and five. He's not been in I t I don't think he's been in any main events or semi I think he's had like one main event and it's Despy I think. But besides that, he hasn't really had a lot of big matches like that. He's kind of been in that thirteen to fifteen minute range for his matches and eating a lot of losses. So I, it's kinda of interesting that the company kinda of, kind of shifted down, it seems like on Master Watto.
2: That's true, but he also is a lot more competent this year in the ring than he was last year. I don't know that that warrants a, a massive push, but, you know, the whole thing with him being, like, a botch master, that's kind of gone uh, by the wayside. But, yeah, I mean, this isn't really his tournament. Uh, you look at the guys that are here, the established names and everything. Um, that's not to say he couldn't end the tournament with a, a few more points, you know, maybe ending with, like, six, possibly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, a two-win guy gets, like, you know, or, yeah, 4.6 points, maybe 8 at the most.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's had some decent matches. I don't think – nothing's really blown me away. Like you mentioned, he's not really botching anything. He's been very competent, been hitting his uh, tornillos and all of his, uh, his big moves, that uh the that backslide driver that he does and the, the RPP, and so – yeah, he, he's looked good in the ring. Um, and yeah, he, he's been fine.
2: Yeah. So that is going to do it. That is our recap on uh, Best Super Juniors. We've gone a little long on this. I know we want to cover the rest of the stuff on the show. We got World Tag League. There's a lot of teams here. Do you want to just go over who won what and then, um, or maybe the standings and then maybe just have general discussion on this stuff?
1: Yeah, we can do that.
2: Okay, awesome. So Tetsu Naito, and Sonata are sitting at the top of the block, 10 points. Uh, they defeated Tanahashi and Yano on night four. Uh, they lost – or no, they, uh, they defeated the Bull Club team of Fale and Owens on night five, and then on night six, they were defeated by the United Empire. Uh, Zack Sabre and Taichi are tied with them at 10 points, five wins, one loss. Um, they were defeated by the United Empire on night four. Uh, They defeated G.O.D. on Night 5. And then on Night 6, they defeated Tanahashi and Yano. Um, Just underneath them, Bullet Club team of Fale and Owens sitting at 8 points, 4 wins, 2 losses. On Night 4, they defeated Great Bash Heel. On Night 5, they lost to L.I.J. Night 6, they defeated Suzuki-Goon, team of Suzuki and uh, Taka. Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, the cast team, four wins, two losses, eight points. Uh, they defeated Tiger Mask and Yuji Nagata on night four. They lost to House of Torture on night five. And then they defeated Great Bash on night six. Uh, Great Khan and Aaron Hanare, the United Empire team, four wins, two losses, eight points. Um, they defeated Dangerous Techers uh, on night four. They lost to Tanahashi and Yano on night five. And then they defeated LIJ, as we mentioned. Tanahashi and Yano are also tied at eight points. Um, They were defeated by LIJ. They lost to Unite Empire, and then they were defeated by the Dangerous Techers on night six, as mentioned. G.O.D., last year's champions, eight points, four wins, two losses. Uh, They defeated the Suzuki-gun team on night four. Uh, They lost to the Dangerous Techers on night five, and then night six, they defeated Tenkoji. Evil and Ujiro are sitting at six points, three and three. Uh, they lost to House of Torture on night four. Night. Th- oh, they are House of Torture. Sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> uh, they defeated Tenkoji on night four. Uh, they defeated Chaos Team on night five. And then night six, they defeated uh Flying or Naga- Blue Tiger. Um Tenkoji sitting at two wins, four losses, they have four points. And uh they lost to House of Torture on night four. Night five, they defeated Great Bash Heel, and then night six, they lost to G.O.D. And then the final three teams here sitting at the bottom, so we've got uh, Eugene Gata and Tiger Mask. They are one of five, two points. They lost to Chaos Team on night four. Um, they defeated the Suzuki Gun team of Suzuki and Takamichinoku on night five, but night six, they lost to House of Torture. Great Bash Heal um, are sitting at zero points, 6- six Losses they've been eliminated. Uh, they lost to the Bull Club team on night four, they lost to Tenkoji on night five, and then they lost to Chaos on night six. And then tied with them with zero wins, Minoru Suzuki and Takamichinoku, they lost to GOD, Tiger Mask, and Yuji Nagata, and the Bull Club team on subsequent nights.
1: Yeah, so again, this has been a you know. Solid tournament with very good, you know, three star wrestling. Not a ton of notebook stuff here. Uh, I think I'll see one of the key stories was Sonata and Naito uh, being pushed as one of the top teams here until uh, they got they got the big upset loss on night six, their first loss against the United Empire, who I feel like they've been pushing in this tournament as well. Uh, Hanare and Great O'Connor, they beat Naito and Sonata. They also beat the tag champs, Dangerous Techers, on night four. So similar to like what we saw with when it was Cobb and Great O'Conn, United Empire is pushed very strong and now uh with Cobb kind of taking more of a singles role, Aaron Hernandez kind of slid into Cobb's spot here in the tag team and they're they're going pretty strong here with United Empire.
2: Yeah, and it felt for a little while that there was always the possibility that they might end up doing Cobb and uh Great O'Con as like a tech, you know, the next future tag team cha- uh, challengers, maybe even champions down the road, but um, and that could still be the case. But right now, with him and Hinari, they seem to be kind of firing on all cylinders, and that might free up Cobb to do more in the singles division. You know, especially considering the 2021 that he's had. Um, then again, with Will Ospreay kind of returning to Japan, who knows how long that you know, needs to be the case and maybe they'll go back to that previous team. But yeah, for the time being, Ocon and Hanari have done really, really good. I, in particular that night four match, uh, dangerous techers versus United empire. Um, I would call that the only really highly recommended match of the tournament for me so far, other than maybe, um, Suzuki Goon versus Dangerous Techers from the first night. I thought this match was probably like three and three quarters. Very, uh, you know, considering the level of competition we've had in this tournament, I think that this, uh, you know, is a high in the tournament so far.
1: Yeah, I went uh, four stars flat on that one. I really enjoyed that main event. I also really enjoyed United Empire and LIJ from today's show. That was a, a really great main event also. Yeah, I'm, I'm digging uh, Hanari and Okan. I think they're working really well together. They're gelling well together. And yeah, they've been putting on some really good matches. And the crowd kind of gasped uh, night six because um, it was Great Okan hitting the eliminator on Sonata and pinned Sonata. And I feel like the crowd's kind of taken aback by that.
2: Yeah, that is a little surprising. But we've also seen Sonata have issues, um, you know, defeating Great Okan in the past, especially when they first faced off in the uh, New, Japan, New Japan Cup last year. So it's not you know, the biggest surprise in the world, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're definitely pushing them because they've got two big wins over two of the favorite teams in the tournament. So um, we'll see how that goes. I, uh, you know, speaking of which the tag team champions, uh, dangerous techers, um, I think in my opinion, they're still the standout tag team in this year's tournament, which has kind of been the case the last two or three years.
1: Yeah. Really great work. Uh, the God match was really good. Uh, especially you have Tama working really hard in this, you know, fiery bay face Tama mode, and it was a really just hard hitting and fast paced matchup. Really enjoyed that
2: one. Oh, you want to know my take? I actually didn't like that match. Really? And, uh, yeah, it just seemed to kind of disappoint me a, a bit. Maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying as much attention. But that was one where I was like, okay, we're getting God, we're getting dangerous techers Considering the year they had, they're gonna go out there and like, you know, put on a banger. And I just didn't feel like they did. I don't know. It's weird. I feel like that's a combination of guys you'd expect with how familiar they are, they all are with one another, that every time they'd go out there, that it would be, you know, of a certain like level. But it seems to kind of vary from, you know, match to match to match. They don't all seem to kind of be of the same like standard or quality. But if you like this match, you know, that's great. There's a good chance it's World Tag League. I might not have been paying as. Much yeah, I, I wouldn't I say know. it
1: definitely wasn't their best match that they had together, but I, I thought it was really good, and especially with you know not focusing on claws or any weird outside stuff and just kind of the action in the ring.
2: That is probably true. I think I was like three and a quarter on this. <laughs> yeah, I think I was like
1: eight, three and a half or three and three quarter. I can't remember where, uh, where I went on that one.
2: I was like, dang. I was like, I wish, I was like, you know, these are like the top two premier teams. I was like, this should like rule, you know. <laughs> yeah. It was all right um you know Fale Owens I think they're doing pretty good I think they're working hard and you know they're doing well in the tournament a lot better than they have in the past
1: yeah kind of surprising that they're at top of the block right now eight points uh, towards the top there and yeah they've been picking up some wins I think it's kind of a, a make good for Chase for not giving him his U.S towel shot <laughs> uh.
2: um obviously Nightton's not I, I still think they're on the, the track to potentially win this whole thing Well that you know we'll see. Um there's the Chaos team. I think they're doing as well as could be expected. Uh one team that's really interesting, Tanahashi and Yano. Did you notice that they got merch now?
1: I did not see the merch, no.
2: There's a there's a shirt that they're uh that they're wearing. I'm assuming it's for sale. It's uh it's a black and white shirt and on it's it's got them like doing the pose together with the jackets on. Hmm. And it's and, and then underneath it says Tana or uh Hiroshi and the other one says Toru. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like Dude, this is like the Y2AJ of you know New Japan teams. Like these guys are never teaming again after this. Yeah, <laughs> they got fucking merch. I,
1: I've been skipping through some of the entrances to save on time, so I
2: must have missed them uh, wearing wearing that shirt. But yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a weird mix because Tanahashi seems like he still wants to go out there and have really good matches, but then Yano is still kind of doing his shtick. But he's definitely trying more than he usually does, and I don't know, I. It's kind of a, a weird marriage, but I kind of dig it.
1: <laughs> yeah, some nights are better than others. Uh, the night where they faced uh, Dangerous Techers, nights, uh, night six, yeah, the Today Show, they had the whole thing where they both uh, they tied up Tai Chi and Zach at the, the guardrail, but then Kanamaru came and saved them, and then they uh, got. Tanahashi and Yano tied together, taped together, and they failed to make the countdown. So that, that was kind of weird, and just seeing Tanahashi fumbling around with Yano and, and tape.
2: Huh. Yeah. Tanahashi, uh, sometimes he's goofy, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I guess it's, it's better for him to do that than do high fly folks to the floor every night and kill himself.
2: Well, see, that's what I was referring to, is like sometimes he wants to do that, because he, he was doing that early on in the tournament. Yeah. And and now maybe, like, he's getting to the point where he's like, uh, dome season's coming up. Uh, you know, maybe I should take it easy now that we got a Noah show going on, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Gotta be ready. Uh, G.O.D., I think they're fine. I don't know. I think G.O.D., like, the two teams that haven't really surprised me in any way are Chaos and G.O.D. I think both those teams are going out there and having the types of matches I expect them to have just based on history, you know? Like, they're not bad. They're not blow away. They're fine. You know they'll probably turn up the last two nights.
1: Yeah, I mean G.O.D., they've they've been solid in the tournament. Um, again they're four and two right up there with some of the top teams. So obviously yeah they're going to be uh, alive towards the end. Uh, house and Tor- how's the torture
2: evil and Ujiro? Uh, it's a dumpster fire. Like I don't even know what else to say. Like it just it's bad every night. It sucks really bad.
1: Yeah, the only bright side, I guess. Is- with them is that some of their cheating is getting foiled. As you can see, they're three and three right now, so they're not winning yeah. everything. So some of their cheating does get foiled, and the Bay Faces do get to overcome and outsmart them. So that's kind of at least if you sit through cheating, it's kind of good. The Bay Face can, kind of gets one up on them,
2: but yeah. But I'm ner- I'm nervous because they've got three in a row and they lost their first three, and it feels like they might be on that yo trajectory where they start, you know, building up momentum towards the tail end of the tournament.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. I can easily see them, you know, skyrocket, you know, past Chase and Fale and, you know, Yano and Tanahashi and getting up there.
2: Um, you know, beyond that, the last four teams, Kojima, Tenzan, Nagata, Tiger Mask, Great Bash heel, Suzuki, Takamichinoku. You're talking about all of your olds in the tournament. They're all pretty much exactly where I'd expect them to be. Olds on uh, the bottom. <laughs> olds on the bottom, yeah. Uh you know, the one thing we did learn is that Tiger Mask is of a higher status in the company than Takamichinoku in this tournament. So <laughs> they they did pick up that one win there. Uh, there was one match where Kojima, uh, where Tenkoji was wrestling Great Bash Heel, and towards the tail end of the match, Hanma headbutt Kojima so freaking hard, <laughs> and like for no reason. And then um, Kojima did the uh, Western Lariat, and he, instead of hitting him across the chest, he freaking forearmed Hanma in the head like <laughs> as hard as he could. And I was like, bro, why are these guys firing live rounds on each other with their old asses? Like, what is, why?
1: That was a receipt for Hanma. That Hama. was a receipt. Kojima and was like, bro, receipt. like, chill. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, those those guys, are, I think Kojima and Tenzan, I think they've been, uh, you know, working really hard, especially Kojima. Uh, as hard to see those guys can. Um Tiger and Nagata, kind of the the grumpy old men. uh, Strong style, grumpy old men. They're been fun to watch and see them work as a team. Great Bash shield's been fun. Zuki and Taka. I mean, Taka's been pretty much getting his ass kicked this whole tournament.
2: Um, The one interesting thing, um, one of these nights, I don't remember this. Actually, it was night uh, five. Um, Yuji Nagata and Tiger Mask, they did defeat... Suzuki and Takamichi Noku, which that match was pretty fun. It was in the main event, and I liked seeing. Obviously, anytime I get Nagata and Suzuki head to head, that's always cool.
1: Yeah, and that was and part I, of like the uh, Nagata uh, like anniversary Blue Justice kind of show thing.
2: Well, that's the thing I was gonna say. I didn't know that that was Blue Justice Ten. You know i I don't. Did you know that that it was billed as that at all? Well, it wasn't going billed, into it. But
1: he came out and did a promo at the very start of the show. And I was like, okay, what's, what's he talking about? And then
2: I, I must have missed that
1: because we don't have English yet. And then he was in the main event. So I was like, oh, and then post match, I had like a big thing where he had got flowers. Kojima got flowers. Tenzan got flowers. Chono well, well, came out.
2: Well, that was for Tenkoji's 30th anniversary, mm. is what that was. So they he called out Hontai. And because uh, I actually saw this on the English, so he called Hontai out so they could all uh honor tenkoji for 30 years in the business that's what that was but the show was marketed as world tag league dash blue justice 10 and like i had no idea that it was a blue justice show i'm like what is going on either did i but
1: it it wasn't that same arena that it is uh every year and he opened up with the promo but
2: it's it's his home that's where he that's his hometown yeah so that was the significance there but uh you know, cool to see him uh, win in his hometown as opposed to other companies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, any, any you know, final thoughts on the tournament? I'm still thinking I, I, I'm i still holding on to Sonata and Naito being my uh, winners of this tournament in the end.
1: Yeah, I think Sonata and Naito are the favorites. I do think United Empire is a team to keep their eye on that you could. Right. Because I think Sonata and Naito, they they already did they beat Tekkers already.
2: I don't know. Uh, uh, I, can't, I can't I can't
1: recall. I can't remember. But either way, I feel like though like they can still get into title match if they beat Tekkers um, and not worry about having to actually win the tournament. Like if United Empire won, but also I, I still think that Sonata and Naito could be the the favorites here. <laughs>
2: Good stuff. Great tournament. I love World Tag League. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, let's go over the uh, upcoming schedule for both tournaments uh, this upcoming week. So, on night eight of Super Juniors, Friday, December 3rd, we're going to have an opener of Oiwa and Fujita, then Master Wato versus Shinobu Kanamaru, Robbie Eagles versus Doki Bushi versus Taiji Shimori. Sho vs. El Fantasmo, Hiromu Takahashi vs. Rishika Taguchi in a main event of Yo versus El Desperado. Then we'll move on to Night 7 of Tag League on Thursday, December 2nd. Uh, we'll have Naito and Sonata in the main event against Dangerous Techers. Tanahashi and Yano against Goto and Yoshihashi. G.O.D. vs. House of Torture. Blue Tiger versus United Empire. Tenkozi vs. Fale and Chase. And Great Bash Heel. Versus Suzuki and Taka With an opener of Nakashima and Vegeta Then night Eight of Tag League will be on Saturday December 4th We'll have a main event of Tanahashi And Yano against G.O.D Followed by Dangerous Techers against House of Torture, Tenkoji versus L.I.J., Great Bash heel Versus United Empire, Chaos Versus Suzuki and Taka Blue Tiger versus Fale And Chase and the Dragon Shingo to Takagi will be in the opener against Oiwa. Then on... Uh, night 9 of Super Juniors, we will have... Uh, this will be Sunday, December 5th. We'll have a main event of Bushi versus Despi. Hiromu versus Master Wato in the semi-main. Then Eagles versus Show, Taguchi versus ELP. Yo versus Kanamaru. Taiji Ishimori versus Toki. And then Nakashima versus Oiwa. Then on Night 9 of Tag League, Tuesday, December 7th, We'll have L.I.J. versus G.O.D. in the main event, Chaos versus Fale and Chase, Tenkoji versus United Empire, Great Bash Shield versus House of Torture, Yano and Tanahashi versus Zuki and Taka, Blue Tiger versus Dangerous Techers, and then Nakashima versus Kosei Vegeta in the opener.
2: Would it make you nervous if I told you that on the final night of Tag League, Sonata and Naito are taking on the House of Torture team of Evil Nujuro?
1: Yes, it would. <laughs> <laughs> there's a great chance that they could beat Sonata and Naito. Uh,
2: the other big matches to look out for that night, we have Tekkers against Chaos um, and G.O.D. against United Empire. Everything else mm. seems to be kind of just like, eh, you know?
1: Yeah, either House of Torture is playing spoiler and keeping L.I.J. out of the finals, or they're Getting into the finals, I don't know what they're going to do.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, we got two nights at the dome, so who knows?
1: Yeah. Well, now let's move over to New Japan of America. This past Saturday, we had the final night of the Showdown Tour, which took place in the twenty three hundred Arena, ECW Arena in Philadelphia. The show opened up with the octopus, Jonathan Gresham, defeating Alex Coglin 9 minutes and 51 seconds.
2: Yeah, so the roll-ups, you know, they just continue over here on the American product as well. <laughs> um, no, this match was really, really cool. Um, it's kind of funny because, like, to me, this is my idea of what I think good wrestling is, is, like, really technical, really believable hard-hitting strong style kind of like wrestling and that's what like Gresham and Coglin were doing Gresham's a little prettier um than my tastes you know are kind of designed towards but um uh, as far as like his style he's just very like kind of finesse even with the added muscle but Coughlin is really up to I mean bro he's getting so good like really kind fast of crazy. yeah that and then just a lot of the th- the little things he's doing. He's got little wrinkles to his game. Um I might be to the point where I'm ready to say Alex Coglins my favorite of Fredericks and Connors at this point. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just the style of his wrestling is really great, but um you know, Gresham was able to outsmart him and you know, basically turned a a, a pinning combination into a winning situation for himself.
1: Yeah, really good matchup. I really enjoyed it a lot. Like you mentioned, very technical. And, you know, Coughlin, the whole purpose of this challenge series is to fight different opponents and test himself in different areas. So this was a great test for him in that kind of technical
2: grappling
1: area. He looked really good in this match.
2: But it's one of those things where it's like, you know, this is why rating matches is hard because most people look at it nine minutes, 51 seconds wasn't a, any like big dramatic moment that like stood out to them. They might rate it lower than like someone like me where I was watching. and I was like, Oh my God, the stuff they're doing is like, they're really telling a story in there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't know, but uh, I really liked this match a lot. I, I wish I could have seen it live. I wish I would have gone to the 2300 re- arena.
1: Yeah. That was a really good matchup. Uh, then the second matchup we had Fred Rosser, Carl Frederick, Ryan Rocky Romero and the DKC Defeating Team Filthy by disqualification, we had the emergence of a Black Tiger who came out with a pipe and attacked Rocky Romero that caused the disqualification and they beat down Rosser and Rocky, and Team Filthy was standing strong here at the end.
2: Yeah. uh, So, I mean, there's some good things, some bad things. So, like, the good, um, I'm really digging what is going on with Team Filthy and the Fred Rosser feud. Um, You know, the idea that Filthy Tom Lawler collected the hair that he cut off of Fred Rosser's head (laughs) and turned it into a a necklace. necklace
1: With the scissors.
2: (laughs) Oh my God, bro. Like, that's incredible, like, heat, you know? Yeah. So I like that part a lot. I liked every time he interacted with, um, uh, with... I, I keep wanting to call him Darren because that's what they called him. During.
1: Yeah. Tom Lawler to get heat was calling him uh Darren young. He's like, <laughs> Darren, you're not going to beat me Darren.
2: <laughs> yeah. But every time him and Fred Rosser interacted, it was really awesome. I mean, overall, this was a a, a pretty great, you know, 10 man tag, but um, I didn't love the finish. And when, uh, you know, the black tiger arrived, there was just a lot that I didn't like about it. Like, I mean, I don't know. If you don't want to know who it is, maybe fast forward like a minute or two to the show because I'm gonna tell you who it is. It's Ricky Reyes. It's right. like Ricky Reyes is like a pretty well known, you know, independent star from you know past years, but like Ricky Reyes is kind of old, and maybe like that's what you want for your Black Tiger, and maybe this explains why um, all year Rocky's been like bringing the old the old Black Tiger mask out with him. But I don't know, man. Like. This just felt kind of weird and contrived. And then it's like, who is this Black Tiger? And then it's like, oh, he's working with Team Filthy. And then I, I don't know. That it didn't go over that well. The um, Kozlov kept calling him the Black Tiger mask. Uh, just like <laughs> it's not his name. <laughs> and people in the crowd did not know who it was either. They didn't seem to they were reacting to the heat that like Team Filthy was getting, but they didn't seem to react too much to Black Tiger. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, there was no, it just felt like a dud to yeah. me. I don't know. And I
1: feel like I haven't seen any, like, follow up on the upcoming tapings that they've done. So I'm wondering if it's going to get dropped or, like, it's going to be like a one shot kind of thing. I don't know. I'll tell you one
2: thing it's getting angle of the year nominees. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, the post, there was a post match beatdown and. They used a kendo stick to beat the crap out of uh, Rocky Romero as well as Fred Rosser. Got a lot of heat from the crowd. Dude, uh, Kratos what, was getting a lot of heat. A lot of heat. So it seemed filthy. But then uh, they went to the back and they tried to cut like a Four Horsemen-esque promo, which I'm a big proponent of guys and teams all cutting a promo together, like Survivor Series style. Yeah. But like this was kind of bad. Like, Like – filthy tom lawler was cutting an awesome promo awesome like but then like royce isaacs cut like a pretty good promo but he was like trying to feel when to jump in and he couldn't jump in at the right time and then you know like um limelight said a couple things he was smart because he's like he didn't say much you know he just kind of added his two cents and got out of there but then Jerome nelson
1: yeah <laughs> a bad, he's a horrible pro he promo. was like they said everything else that needs to be said
2: that's it, and then, <laughs> and then that's it, and then like Tom Lars like that's not it. <laughs> and then the one thing that's funny though is like they're all trying to talk, but like all the while while they're talking and like they're also like they're making crazy facials, like they like they've never like I don't know, like, they're doing what they think a wrestler should be doing in that moment. But the one dude who's looking like a like for real is Jr. Kratos. He's got these like this menacing look, and like he's just like. Like he gets it, you know what I'm saying. He's yeah. not even saying words, and he fits the the role and the the character more than the other guys do. Um, but then after all that wackiness, Tom Tom Waller cut this incredible promo on Fred Rosser as a rebuttal to the one that Fred Rosser, you know that was filled with all those expletives talked about i wish you were man enough to come to my house i <laughs> wish you would come fight me in front of my children he's like you're not man enough to come fight me in front of my child i was like oh that's such a good promo yeah
1: dude Billy <laughs> tob yeah laid it into him
2: talked about how like he's gonna like put him under the ground and like these guys want to kill each other you know maybe this should be a feud of your contender next year i don't know well,
1: i think it definitely will be yeah
2: but um that was all. Everything coming out of that one. Uh, yeah. After that, we got Daniel Garcia and Violence Unlimited taking on the Stray Dog Army. Eight minutes, seven seconds. They defeated Stray Dog Army. I don't have much to say to this one. It was cool seeing uh, Daniel Garcia team up with King and Dickinson. I'm glad Dickinson's back after that uh, injury um, at the Sanit. The what San, San, San Jose. Jose? Well, yeah,
1: he's back. <laughs> he's back. Uh, unfortunately, with some uh, taping here that's, This is a, the one downfall of tapings Where you tape stuff before pay-per-view And so yeah, Dickinson Dolce, he's, he's still hurt But this was taped before he was Nah, hurt. he's <laughs> healed
2: it, And also, let's be clear, it's not the one downfall of taping There's lots of downfalls There's lots of downfall, yes. but
1: that's, that's <laughs> one of them Uh But, but yeah, uh, fun match here Daniel Garcia looked good And also this was a continuation of probably what was going to happen At uh Battle in the Valley But ended early, so
2: Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, the main event, we had the Philadelphia Street Fight. suzuki Goon team of Lance Archer and Minara Suzuki. They defeated Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. 14 minutes, 28 seconds. Um, we got the pre-show package, courtesy of uh, AEW you know, footage. And they kind of just told the story that's kind of spanned between the two companies and these two groups. Um, I thought the match was good, but not great. It, but it was fun. It was, like, completely different than anything we're used to getting in New Japan, really. Right. And uh, the crowd seemed to like it a lot. But there was a lot of weird sloppiness in this match. I don't know if you noticed that.
1: Yeah, like, it wasn't definitely not, like a good match of the year or anything. But, yeah, it was a fun kind of plunder brawl. There was, yeah, some kind of sloppy moments, some kind of – some pauses in the action a little bit sometimes. But – Overall it's a really fun matchup Crowd was really into it They were doing crazy stuff Hitting each other with candlesticks sticks and stop signs And all kinds of stuff uh, we, had, we had Tiger Tori Back on the call again For this main event Which was hilarious He was like "Oh, Lance Archer Last time I saw him was Japan He's much bigger now And so it's like Him <laughs> <laughs> just throwing in Like his random comments <laughs> Throughout
2: <laughs> I, I'm all about it I liked it Um there was one point though where they brawled to the outside and you know I I figured that the people in the audience could see what was going on, right? Yeah. And then um I think it was John Mox, I can't recall, but someone grabbed a cinder block and threw it at their opponent and missed. And right at the moment that they missed, the whole crowd started booing. Yeah, I think they like, hit
1: the feet or something.
2: Right. But I didn't know that at first. I'm like, did they boo because they because he used a cinder block and they don't, and they thought that that was dirty, or did they boo because he missed this guy and they wanted him to <laughs> like literally violence. kill. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this Philly crowd man, they're blood like hungry. And then they're like, and then I heard the chanting, and I was like, oh, they can't see. the camera feed literally like cut out on people. So that was one cool thing. It's like even if someone was there live. They wouldn't have been able to see this until it actually aired. They missed a, a good portion of some of the exciting stuff that was going on, on the outside of the building.
1: Yeah, it gives you a reason to uh, watch back.
2: Yeah, but um, you know, the guy that really stood out here wasn't so much John Moxley; it was Eddie Kingston's first time, uh, to my knowledge. Um, I could be wrong, but especially recently with New Japan, crowd was really, really, really into Eddie Kingston. If you watch AEW, that's no surprise. But they seem to be way more into Kingston than they were John Moxley, and a lot of the story of why they lost and the post match, it all kind of re- revolved around Eddie.
1: <laughs> yeah, they got the the pin on Eddie, and I'll see, again another bad thing with taping, and especially Archer not probably not realizing when this would air. He's like right. talking all this shit to Kingston about the eliminator match, which we were live for, which was like what a month, like a month ago now. It
2: was so long <laughs> ago. And- like and then yeah so i was watching this with my girlfriend and she's like why are you just now watching this and i was like it just aired it's a tape show and that's like someone i don't know who but someone from new japan has to get a handle on this stuff and let guys know what they can and can't say as far as the story goes as far as like sustaining a, a semblance of uh you know, continuity between these shows and everything because that that pulls you right out when you're like, wait a second, wait, what?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you're challenging him. What? Didn't that already happen? So
2: Yeah, we were there and you got you, you fell on your dome and we haven't seen you since. Like <laughs> which I think Archer might really be hurt. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, that was a scary moment, but it did happen. But uh overall, I mean You know, this was cool, too, because John Moxley obviously is away in rehab and isn't wrestling actively, but this is a match that hadn't aired. And, you know, the whole open-door, you know, nature of it as well. So, fun match, pretty cool. Kingston-Suzuki was awesome. I'd like to see them wrestle.
1: Yeah, definitely. So then, uh, coming up next Saturday, we have the first night of the Danation Tour. So, Saturday, December 4th, and we have the uh, main event of Josh Barnett and Alex Coglin for the Open Challenge Series. So, Josh Barnett's first New Japan match in quite some time. So, that should be interesting. Also, Leo Rush and Adrian Crest will team up to take on Bateman and Mysterioso. We'll have the New Japan debut of Jonah as he takes on Lucas Riley. Then, in our opener, we'll have the Switchblade, Jay White, and Higaleo taking on... Alex Zane and Yuya Uemura.
2: Yeah, uh, it'll be cool to see Jonah compete for the first time. I'm not familiar with Lucas Riley, Barnett Coughlin. That's going to rule, especially it's a good opponent for both guys because, you know, while Alex Coughlin is obviously benefiting from facing someone, you know, with a different style and everything like, you know, the seven match series with, josh barnett this is josh barnett's first time back into a new japan ring in i couldn't even tell you maybe a decade maybe you know something like that yeah and you know not to say that he couldn't go out there and wrestle with a top guy like say jay white or something like that but he's not really accustomed to wrestling that style of of wrestling right now but alex coghlin is and they've trained together extensively over the past years or a couple years So, I mean, the idea that they would, uh, I think that he's a good reintroduction opponent for Josh Barnett, if hypothetically Josh Barnett continues to wrestle for New Japan in some capacity.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: And the match sounds awesome, so I can't wait to see that.
1: We've got some uh, more matches announced for the Nemesis TV tapings that will be happening on Thursday, December 9th. So, it's being it's going to be headlined with Switchblade Jay White versus the Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels. It'll be David Finley versus Jonah. Alex Zane versus Ario Davari, Brody King versus Dave Dutra. Carl Fredericks and Kevin Knight versus Bateman and Mysterioso. TJP versus DKC. Eddie Kingston will be taking on Gabriel Kidd. Alex Coglin will be taking on J.R. Kratos. Royce Isaacs will be taking on Lucas Riley. Juice Robinson will be taking on Bad Dude Tito and then Clark Connors and Jordan Clearwater will be taking on Chris Bay and Hikaleo of the Bullet Club.
2: Man, those Regal twins pissed someone off. <laughs> what happened to those guys? I don't know. They probably ate like shook the wrong hand or, you know, didn't look someone in the eye or they ate know? they ate Tom Waller's steak. They ate someone's catering <laughs> 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 Something like that. I don't know, man. It's uh, weird. Uh, this is a pretty cool, um, you know, series of tapings, though. I mean, I don't know how it's all going to fit into... We can see some of it, how it's going to fit into the storylines are going, but um, some of it, I'm not so sure. But uh, a lot of new guys, guys I'm excited to see, Bad Tito. he's really good. Um, you know, obviously christopher daniels coming back and working against jay white that's a big deal yeah
1: i think so, uh, I mean, they're, they're, kingston and gabriel cool kid
2: should be a fun one. Oh, that one's gonna be great yeah oh one thing i did want to point out on this episode so we forgot to mention they aired the promo of gabe kid calling out um gresham jonathan gresham and i will say a couple things number one jonathan gresham I, I can't say for sure that I think he's a bad promo. I think you've seen more of his work in ROH than me, but, like, is is he a bad promo? Because he seemed like a pretty bad promo during this uh, interaction.
1: Uh, he's been fine. I feel like Lethal did most of the talking for the foundation than he did.
2: Man, I, I really didn't like what. So in the beginning, like... He, like, tried to, like, do this, like, jab to, like, Gabe Kidd. He's like, I really don't know who you are. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm being dead honest. And maybe he was, but, like, why would you say that? <laughs> yeah. Why would you ever, 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 ever say- And then he tried to put him over by, like, walking it back. And I'm like, why would your character walk it back? Like, none of this – I guess it's authentic, but it just doesn't get me that excited to watch you guys wrestle. And it's if, – if you took time to actually, like, cut the promo – and every in the middle of a show like of new japan that should be a big deal and like uh, i'm not saying he intended to but he kind of shit on the dude you know
1: yeah also didn't really he didn't feel like he was cutting a promo he just, felt like he just came out there and was just, like just talking
2: <laughs> right but not like you know not like talking like the way like CM punk talks like he's like talking the way you and me talk like right
1: like <laughs> <Look, laughs> I, I don't uh... know you but yeah i guess i, I guess i'll wrestle you
2: I don't know. I wrestle other guy, he's good. You're his training partner, so i I can only assume you're good. So I'd like to wrestle you. And then he did that right after, right after Gabe Kidd like talked all this junk about how he could never beat a British wrestler. He he needs to go watch more Steve Gray tapes, right? And that's right. like a big put down for people on the inside. And then he's like, ah, I don't even know who you are. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, Kazushko Okada." <laughs> <laughs> Guy that's not even signed to this company, you've done a couple super junior tours. Like, I, I like Jonathan Gresham, I think he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Literally, I think he's when it comes to pure technical wrestling, I think he's like one of the four guys I would list as the best pure like technical guys out there today. But damn, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you know, we've been hearing all this, uh, everything about, um. You know, the sensitive nature of Gabe Kid's like, whole speech and everything, they cut it all out. They cut almost everything about, you know, the mental health, the suicide, and everything like that. And they pretty much just kept, like, a very small tidbit. And you could see audibly where the cut happens. Like, it just, I don't know. It was weird.
1: It was weird. And I, I know they put it out on their YouTube channel, but why not just put it on the Strong episode, too? I don't know
2: yeah do you think that the viewers at home watching strong on you know weekly television were like oh god i, I can't handle this I'm, app- I'm appalled i'm appalled <laughs> the people like the the diehards who are streaming it on their laptops you know what i mean right it's, it's not like it's network television <laughs> right oh man anyways
1: well that'll take us into some other news stories here so uh, Strong will be having their first taping of 2022 in Seattle, Washington, at Washington Hall on Saturday, January 15th. Uh, the event will be branded the New Beginning USA. The company has announced that, um, well, no matches have been announced, but uh, some names have been announced. So Switchblade, Jay White, Tom Lawler, Jonah, ELP, Fred Rosser, and Gabriel Kidd have all been announced as appearing for the show. Tickets went on sale yesterday uh monday november 29th and the ticket prices are ranging from 30 bucks for staying room to 150 for vip
2: seating you know what else went on sale yesterday what spider-man tickets
1: Ah, yeah did you did you get any
2: i got mine of course they see a-list gimmick
1: (laughs) that's all right you got the the a-list gimmick yeah uh, New Japan is coming to Comic-Con this winter, bringing the best wrestling in the world to Comic-Con for the first time. Switchblade, Jay White, Fred Rosser, and Clark Connors will be joining for a panel discussion as well as individual meet and greets over the weekend. Then uh, Jeff Cobb and TJP, they represent New Japan and the United Empire this past weekend. In CMLL, they headlined the 11-19 Arena Mexico show by beating... Volador Jr. and Atlantis Jr. They took out Voldor's knee, leaving Atlantis Jr. by himself and Cobb pinned him. And then TJP challenged Volador to a match for the NWA historic Walterweight title on November 26th, and Volador accepted the challenge for that. Not sure if the, the results are, but I'm assuming that Voldor probably retained.
2: Did we talk about um, Will Osprey headbutting a fan last week?
1: Uh, We did mention it, yeah.
2: Yeah, I just want everyone to remember. (laughs) Never forget. (laughs) But uh, we got a couple questions, and then the recommend match of the week, and we're going to get out of here. Yeah, so
1: uh, Dan Coffin, uh, the ghoul, he asks, who would you most like to bring on the show for your next big exclusive interview?
2: So I uh, answered this on Twitter with a GIF, and uh, I sent him – one of those, uh, you know, those reenactments from uh, Dark Side of the Ring. One of the reenactments of Inoki walking out to the ring. <laughs> <laughs> I want to bring the ace on the show. The real ace. The true ace. Inoki. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. New Japan himself. I'll uh, see. I mean, no, but for real, I, I don't know. Like, is there anyone that you're just dying to talk to? Yeah,
1: I mean, also, you know, Kevin Kelly is somebody that we've been trying to get on the show that that would be cool um
2: i would love to have kevin kelly on here just because he's a really really good interview um yeah. and i I always find it interesting to hear what he has to say and yeah i'd probably agree with you there because i mean there are there are guys like if we were being wild and we were like jay white or will osprey you know or jeff cop but you know they're all heel characters i mean i don't know like what how much i've seen some of the interviews that like those guys give, especially like Jay, it's all it's all kayfabe, You know, they're working right, the, yeah. the media.
1: Well I yeah, but, I, I want to get Osprey down here, sell the beef between you guys, you know.
2: Nah bro. If, get, if get, I see him it's on site, bro. Get it
1: out in the open like do you, do you remember what happened in New Orleans Will? Like you, you need to apologize. Nah that would be uncomfortable. Never do that. <laughs> Um,
2: but, yeah, I guess my answer probably would be Kevin Kelly, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, Dan also asks, did you make it through no nut November like Hanare?
2: No, no, that's not good for you.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, moving on. Hawaiian Punch BV. He says, have you seen Yotosuji shooting star press? Will he even make it back from excursion without seriously hurting himself?
2: I did see it. It's horrifying we I think we put it on uh we retweeted it from someone else sharing it on Twitter and uh it was cool that he did it but it's scary like I'm like oh god this guy could really hurt yeah himself.
1: it's like Brock doing shooting star at WrestleMania nineteen like it, it's it's scary looking um he can perfect it cool but that should probably be like a, a super finisher that he only bust out in like a Tokyo Dome or something. Hmm. I uh, also asked thoughts on the big boxing fights this past weekend. George Camboso Jr. Versus Tefimo Lopez and Stephen Fulton versus Brandon uh, Figueroa. What do you think of both Figueroa and Lopez being extremely classless in defeat
2: in their post fight interviews? I didn't see the Fulton Figueroa fight. Um, I did see Camboso Jr. Versus uh, Teofimo. fight was great. Um, you know, possible fight of the year contender, but um, man, those guys are both incredible. Um, I think most people do think George won the fight, but you know, again, it was a split decision. Um, I could see it maybe going for both guys, but yeah, Tiafimo, he, he definitely, (laughs) you know, had some words. I've seen him um, put out some statements even after the fight, after the post-fight interviews and stuff. And he, thought he only lost like two of the rounds, which is kind of crazy. So, you know, I don't know, man. Um, some guys are not good at taking losses and they're kind of just not self-aware. They're kind of disconnected from reality, but yeah. Um, I don't know. This is an interesting thing for the lightweight division though, going forward. He also
1: asks, what are your favorite Jose Aldo moments since he is fighting this weekend?
2: Oh man. Um, Quite a few. I mean, when he uh, did the flying knockout in WEC in, like, nine seconds. I forget who that was against. Um, The first pay-per-view fight with Uriah Faber where he, like, destroyed Uriah's leg on a level I've never seen before or since. It was probably one of the ugly – I don't even know how that guy didn't lose a leg, literally. Um, When he knocked out Chad Mendes um, in Brazil and then jumped in the crowd and, like, was celebrating with everybody – uh, the fight with um, Florian, uh, Kenny Florian, um, who is one of my favorite fighters of all time, and Ken Aldo, yeah, I love Ken Flo, yeah, too many to list, man. I, I really, I love Jose Aldo, I always have, and uh, you know, he got knocked out by McGregor, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's bro, for okay, since we're on the subject, that for me, that's one of the most shocking things ever because, like, i i talked so much junk for so because i literally believed that aldo i mean at this point aldo is one of the greatest fighters in the history of ever and yeah connor was great but like i i thought he was gonna get exposed i really really thought he was gonna get exposed against aldo and uh i'm watching the fight and i was in philly with a bunch of my roommates i was working out there and we'd Order this fight, we had a huge party. There's so many people there, and I was being so vocal.
0: <laughs> and the
2: fight starts, and I'm I'm watching Aldo, and I see Aldo throw a right hand and it land, and then I just see him on the ground and then he's getting hammer fisted and the fight's over. And I I couldn't even comprehend what happened. I thought it was like a fix or something. Like I was like, what it's the a fuck? work? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck happened? And then they show the replay and I was like, Well, I was watching him land his punch. He was getting hit first, harder, cleaner, earlier, and I, I just never saw it, just like he never saw it, so I felt like I got knocked out with him, and uh, <laughs> I was pretty embarrassed. Like, oh. <laughs> it's like one of the worst moments for me as a fight fan, like ever, uh, but yeah, I, I love Jose Aldo, uh, Jose, whatever, uh, I'll always call him, I call him Jose, because I'm in America, so whatever. Uh,
1: is it? Is it Jose? Is that, uh, it's,
2: jo- it's Jose, yeah. Uh,
1: uh, next question here from Dom Homie one hundred and one thoughts on Jay White versus Chris Daniels matchup.
2: Um, should be good. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not like, oh my god, this is a dream match, you know. Um, but you know, it's exciting. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I've always been a fan of the Fallen Angel. Also, he's definitely in the you know latter stages of his career. There was a cool video on BTE uh, a few weeks ago, kind of like him, kind of at the crossroads, like, what's he going to do? And he did a little stint in Impact as well. So I'm interested to see, like, if it's a one-shot or if he'll be back in the future and how this plays into him, his wrestling career in general.
2: Do you think it's a little mini retirement tour?
1: It could be, yeah.
2: That's what I'm thinking. I don't know.
1: Uh, Then he says, here's a joke for you guys. What do NXT and Tefamo Lopez have in common? Both were going to take over, but both got taken over. LOL.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> then he asked, any
1: uh, thoughts on NXT
2: 2.0? No. <laughs> uh,
1: I've only watched uh, part of the first one. Uh, it's 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 whack. Uh, Braun Breaker's cool. The Diamond Mine's cool. And that's about it.
2: I don't even know who, the, who you're talking about.
1: I don't watch it It's time for some fight talk And it's fight week times two Thoughts on George Campasso Jr. upsetting Tefamo Lopez Jr. And thoughts on the performance Of Tefamo's corner Thoughts on the lack of backlash for DeFamo's Performance uh, Post fight action and post fight excuses And what should be next for both fighters
2: Uh Yeah I kind of spoke about the post fight stuff Um yeah. Um, I don't think Tia corner was equipped to help him out there. Um, you know, I know some of his family is in that corner if I'm not mistaken, but, uh, yeah, they didn't seem to be able to give him the right direction or answer for, or even present him a clear picture of what was really actually happening. And that might be part of the reason why he felt like he was so far up, uh, when maybe he wasn't, um, and, you know, you've got to have people in the corner that can be real with you and tell you exactly what's going on, even if, you know, they think you're winning. It's very – oftentimes in boxing and in fighting, it's better to err on the side of caution and, you know, make sure that you don't leave it to the hands of the judges. But if you have to, you know, let them know, like, yo, <laughs> it's a close fight. Like, you really got to put in the work or whatever. And he was, but um, I don't think they were able to help him to adjust or make the proper adjustments to win that fight. Um so yeah as far as what's next I wouldn't be surprised if they had a rematch possibly because you know George Camboso he he's becoming a star but Tifo Tf, like just kind of got made himself by you know from when he beat Loma um neither one of them are big big stars so I don't know the, the lightweight division's got a lot of guys right now so I mean there's a lot they could do but I wouldn't be surprised if they rematched
1: also that thoughts on the upcoming bouts of Devin the Dream Haney versus Jojo Diaz and Javante Tank Davis versus Isaac Pitbull Cruz.
2: Good fights, uh good challengers, you know. Um I'm assuming Javante Davis and Devin Haney pull it out. Nice. That's pretty much it.
1: Well, now it's time for the recommended match of the week. So, last week, your recommended the big Noah versus New Japan matchup with Ghost Jiyazaki, Katsuhiko Nakajima, Masa Kitamiya, and Maibok Tenaguchi versus Tenzan, Chibata, Nakanichi, and Yuji Nagata from uh, G1 of 2016. And, man, this was (laughs) an awesome uh, multi-man tag here. Dude, Chibata and Go were just hitting each other so freaking hard. They were going so hard. Uh, Chibata's corner drop kicks, like he dropped kicked like all four guys in the corner, and he just drilled those guys with the corner drop kicks. And then the freaking headbutt. Oh, my gosh. This was, you had told me about this before I watched it. But when I saw it for my own eyes and heard it with my own ears, this was the loudest freaking thud I've ever heard in wrestling. I literally jumped up screaming when I heard <laughs> the headbutt. I was like, oh my God, like why? And immediately just busted open, cracked open. And yeah, just such a crazy wild hate filled match up here. Tons of. A uh, strong style action here in the the Noah team got the win, kind of surprising there, and yeah, it's just kind of crazy fun matchup here.
2: Yeah, there <laughs> there was a lot that was kind of going into this. I mean, um, not most, not all the guys from the Noah team had been featured on undercard tag matches um, throughout that G1 tour, so you know the, the kind of like Noah New Japan rivalry that was sort of emerging was, you know, very much showcased all throughout the tour, but that was uh, the finals of the tour. So that was the big, big blow off match for at least that portion of, you know, the G1. And dude, they they really, really laid it out there. I mean, you know, I, I, I call this easily a four-star match. I think Dave went four and a quarter, but it's a 10 minute match, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, if you had a match that was kind of going on all cylinders the way that this was for a longer period of time. You could literally be talking about like an eight man tag match of the year contender. Like that's how good the action was. And the crowd is so involved in this and not just like in a way where they're over, like they're hot for everybody. They're, actively actively booing the noah scum trash
1: <laughs> yeah you have no god god advantage Boo! <laughs>
2: yeah it's so good if again if you haven't seen this it doesn't take a lot of time but like the match itself i mean shibata is really the star here go uh shiozaki is also he leaves a lasting impression but you know at this point nakajima was kind of like the guy that they're trying to make a star he's the one who picks up the win but everyone worked really, really hard in the match. Even the, the uh, New Japan dads at this point, they're not quite as broken down as they are now. And so they're putting in the extra effort and really doing a lot more athletically than they normally would. The crowd's eating it up. It's just hard-hitting, very, very fast-paced, you know, electric atmosphere. Um, it, it's just really, really cool. It's a great match. The, my favorite part is, like you mentioned, the headbutt. And after the headbutt, Nagata walks over to Shibata, and the camera pans away, but you can hear him say, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> and he says it in English, which is, like, not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the post-match, like, Shibata goes crazy, and those guys go crazy, yeah. and, like, it is awesome. Dude, it's,
1: yeah, it's just heat-filled, and it's great stuff.
2: Well, you know, um, I know you're going to recommend a match to me, I already saw what it is, but You know, this feud did continue on for a bit, and it spilled over to Noah as well. There's a really awesome um, Goshi uh, Ozaki-Katsuri Shibata match from Noah that kind of, like, was the payoff to this little thing here.
1: Nice. Well, yeah, my recommended match of the week comes from the same year, same tour. It's uh, August 13th, 2016, from the G1. Katsushiko Nakajima versus Big Mike Michael Elgin. They even won yeah. four and a half on this match. This match rules.
2: Yeah. The I that's my favorite time of Elgin's period with New Japan. It was his initial G one run because he just rocked so hard in that G one and then yeah, the stuff with Noah and with Nakajima, this is a really, really good match. I, I, I yeah, I haven't rewatched it since, so I I'm looking forward to it.
1: Nice. Well, that's going to wrap everything up for us here this week. Make sure you go out and vote in our year-end awards and share that. Next week, we'll be back to review more best of the Super Junior and World Tag League action. So if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping a Strong style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media on Twitter. The show is at KI Strong Style. The network is at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan on Facebook. We are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we are at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy. Just giving the strong style. You can email me, Jeremy at Social Suplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boy. The Grave Consequences Podcast with Caleb and Maserati. All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. And the AEW Match Guide Podcast, hosted by Sir Sam. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style. The Ace... Of podcasts. Itchy pod. Bon.
2: Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices,